0: G'day everyone and welcome to Another Bloody Movie Podcast. I am Sean Coates. Thank you very much for listening. And it's that time of year again. It is Oscars time. The 93rd Annual Academy Awards are happening. This, well, in Australia it's on Monday because of time zones, but it's happening on Sunday, April 25th. Uh, still at the Kodak Theatre? Um, not, not exactly sure, but that's why we've got... I, I don't know what's going on with this year's Oscars, so that's why we have brought in our, an Oscars expert. Um, our Oscars expert from last year, Sarah... Um, unfortunately could not join us today, but we've got someone who's just as qualified to fit the bill. He is Movie Babble's resident Oscars expert, you know, fellow writer over at Movie Babble and also a regular on the Movie Babble podcast, joining me all the way from an undisclosed location near somewhere, somewhere near Toronto, Canada. Please welcome Brennan Dubay.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here for sure. This is like one of my favorite weeks of the year, 100% mo- uh, Oscar season. It's, you know, it's a lot of people, you know, they're kind of over. Uh, awards type things, but uh, they don't think things should have winners. And when it comes to art, but you know, I'm I'm a competitive guy, and I love this type of thing. And it's just, it's always fun when movies and film is like the number one thing in society at the time. And this is the week when that is the case, so it's always fun. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. It's
0: a pleasure to have you on. It's like Christmas or like the Super Bowl sort of thing the Oscars for us film fans. How have you felt both the year of film in 2020 has been and also this year's nominees?
1: Yeah you know it's I think at the beginning of the year I was kind of or not the beginning of the year but when COVID first struck and when uh, things were very much up in the air with release dates and all and things were getting moved I was really thinking that this would be a a very bad oscars and a lot of weird things would happen i think everyone was like oh sonic's gonna be our uh, big front runner because <laughs> uh, that's the only thing that really one of the only things that came out before COVID really hit but then time started going on uh studios started to adapt and uh festivals started to proceed in online motion and we were able to get a lot of really good movies you know maybe the year isn't as uh thick as other years if, if, if you know what i mean like it, maybe there isn't as much there, but I think what we have is quite good. I'm very, very happy with the quality of films that landed this year, and even just overall in 2020. Sure, we missed out on the blockbuster, sure, there were no Marvel movies, but I think we all needed a break from those. Is, uh, that, is
0: that a bad thing though?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I, when Endgame happened, I'm like, you know what, we need at least a little bit of a break, and COVID kind of gave me that break, <laughs> um, uh, for better or for worse, but you know, I, I think the year for, for what the world went through. I think we got a pretty good year for film and as fans of cinema, I think we can be happy with what the year offered despite everything that went down.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, as you'll see, once we get into a lot of the nominees, um, I actually haven't seen a whole lot of them. Like I did somehow manage to see all eight best picture noms, but in terms of a lot of the other films that got nominated for a lot of these other categories, I kind of missed out on them. But the ones that I did see, I think, you know, they're they're quality films. And like, even if this is, like a lot of people saying, like oh, it's a sort of like a ride-off year, and like you know people like people saying that these sorts of films like wouldn't have probably got nominated in other years because of like there was so much other other films that probably would have taken its spot. Like I think that's kind of reductive because like a lot of the a lot of the films that were nominated this year are pretty quality films.
1: I'd agree. No, I'd agree 100. I think I think what we're missing is the big studio movies. We're not. We don't have a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We don't have a Ford v Ferrari. We don't have things like that. But what we have are just really good movies, you know? And yeah. it's, it's, it's okay that they're not a $100 million to make. I think it's good. It's, it's okay. And that's just the way this year is. And at the end of the day, I think all eight are quite watchable. And I think most of them are pretty damn good.
0: Yeah. And it gives them like these movies that otherwise probably would have just sort of fallen by the wayside. You know, they actually get some time in the spotlight. And, you know, they get more eyes to them than they probably wouldn't have ever got. Like, say, for example, Sound of Metal, which is a film Oh yeah. like, Sound of Metal was my favorite film of last year. And I think it, you know, it's nominated for six awards. Like, personally, I think it should win all of them. But it's, yeah, I don't think it even would have been in the conversation in any other years.
1: No, I agree. I think it's the type of movie, when I first watched it, I'm like, oh, that was really good. I loved it. But I, I... I always have an Oscars mind. That's just the way I'm programmed. So I was thinking like in the, in the following days, like, does this have any potential? I don't really know. Like, I think the movie's great, but I don't know if the Oscars will go for it. But in a year like this, um, it was one of the best movies that came out. So it deserved to be there. And it was there. Like, that's the movie I point to when I say this year is very interesting. And this year allowed smaller movies to breathe a bit more. Like, would you ever see Paul Racy get nominated for an Oscar in any other oh, year? God, right. No. Like Yeah, it's awesome.
0: I'm so happy that he is. And like would, exactly. would I mean would promising young woman probably get nominated because especially for a film like that was originally scheduled for what like March or April like it I don't think it had covid never happened I don't think it probably would have had the legs to have made it all the way to awards season
1: No I mean maybe you're looking at just a Carrie Mulligan or just a screenplay but not a best picture campaign right like it's yeah. I think you're 100% right it's not the type of movie like even you know Minari I think is a powerhouse movie but even that movie I don't know if it would have gone all the way, right? I, I'm not too sure. We, we'll never know, but I'm glad it did, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, Minari probably would have been a similar case where it probably just would have been like this sort of festival darling that, you know, just did the rounds and got really good reviews and probably would have made a decent money at the box office and maybe would have got some like, you know, like sort of indie spirit sort of or like smaller awards shows, but probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have cracked it at the Oscars. But, you know, so glad that it's there. Certainly. Yeah. So uh, just before we get into all, all of the individual nominees, what exactly has changed both about the ceremony and also just about like the sort of requirements for this year's festival festival. Sorry, I'm still in festival mode from covering and interviewing a few people about festivals about this year's ceremony.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you always seem to be in festival mode. I mean, I follow you pretty good on Twitter and just social media in general, and you seem to always be on the festival circuit in some way or another.
0: Yep. It's in my film festival junk, film fest junkie is in my bio. So I make sure yeah. I, it's, I've earned that title.
1: Yeah, you fit that you fit the bill, right? So, you know, this is I was I was worried at the beginning that they canceled the Oscars, but no, that didn't happen. And I mean, things didn't really get canceled, things just got moved, right? And that's what happened. So it got moved from a February date to the April date. It made for the longest and most tiring award season, probably ever, right? Yep. Like I love it, but I'm I'm pretty much ready to call it a day. And you know, yeah. I'm gonna have a lot of fun on Sunday, but it's it's been a long, long, long haul, right? One thing that's changed, I mean, is obviously with COVID, you gotta you gotta limit the crowd, right? So there's gonna be no real crowd per se. I mean, you're gonna have the nominees, the presenters, and the nominees can bring a family or guests or like a family type thing. So yeah. sure, I mean, it's gonna be packed. They're they're probably gonna be breaking some CDC guidelines here or there, but it it, it does seem a hundred percent they're reducing from the thousands that are usually there down to just them, and also they're. Uh, ensuring that there are multiple locations, I think there's a Paris and uh London location, and maybe a new York location because
0: I believe because I read an article about Emerald Fennell being worried that she wasn't going to make it to l a for mm-hmm. the for the awards and because like um, because the Oscars I believe made it a rule that you can't just you know skype in from home
1: right yeah, so they so they had to adapt in in some way, so they said, okay, we hear you, and we're going to do locations in Europe um what I am excited about is that you have Steven Soderbergh producing and I think he's going to make it very interesting. He's, he's committed to making it cinematic. He doesn't really Mm. sharing what that means, but he's calling it. What if this night was a movie and like, that's how it's going to play out. So I'm excited for it.
0: So it'll kind of be like, I guess, Danny Boyle directing the opening ceremony to the London Olympics, I guess.
1: It could, yeah, it could be. I mean, it's, I'm excited. I think, I think he's got like, this is the type of year we're sure the ratings are going to be down. And I think in in a lot of things, kind of over here in North America, I don't know about uh, down under, but um, award shows, sporting events, Super Bowl, even everything's been really down in TV ratings and and viewership. So the Oscars will be the same. So why not why not experiment right in a year like this? So I think Steven S- Soderberg's gonna have a good time experimenting, and what what better mind to uh, try to make this thing a little bit different, you know? So I'm I'm excited for what he does, and I think it'll be a very worthwhile watch.
0: Yeah, I, I'm excited to watch it. Like, luckily, I have the day off work. And because of time zones, obviously, uh, the Oscars start at noon on a Monday. So, That's good. you know, I, I know a few people that take the day. I mean, I think I believe because um, the the Sunday, the 25th, is actually a national holiday in Australia. It's Anzac Day, which is like sort of, I guess, the Australian equivalent of Memorial Day. It, um, it recognizes uh, the landing of Gallipoli in World War One. And, you know, it's, a, it's an important national day, um, but that falls on a Sunday and pretty much every other state except for my state, Victoria, get the day after as a public holiday. But luckily I have the day off work, so I'll be able to watch the Oscars.
1: Very good. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's great. And I just I, I, I am just excited to see what he does. I mean, he's an interesting director, love or hate his movies or just think they're all right. I think he always tries to do something weird, uh, especially with that one movie... Uh, Unsane I think it was where he just did it through the phone or something like Like, I think he's got a neat mind so I'm excited mm. to see what he does with the show
0: yeah he's one of those guys that's like he, he can crank out a film pretty quick but he's one of those guys where it's like he's, he's very I guess es- I don't know if esoteric is the right, right word but like he's very sort of his own sort of filmmaker but he can also fit into that sort of studio mould he's one of those 100%. kind of guys that's like I'll do a film for the studio and then I'll do a film for me
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, That's I think that's perfectly Soderbergh. That's definitely what he is. And uh, I mean, he's, he's had some good hits. So I hope this is another one.
0: All right. Well, with that, with our excitement and Soderbergh's involvement with the Oscars, let's get into the nominees. So how this is going to work is that we are going to go through every single category What there's 21, 20, 20, uh, uh, 21, I believe. 21. So we're going to go through all 21 categories, uh, regardless of how much we know about the category. And we are going to say what, what we think should win that award, but then also what we think will win. So we are going and in how in the order that we're doing this, we are just going off the Wikipedia page for the award for the awards and all the categories and we're gonna work from the bottom all the way up. So the first category I believe is visual effects and zoom is not letting me minimize this so i'm just going to have to move brennan down as i read out the visual effects nominees so the nominees for best visual effects are love and monsters the midnight sky mulan the one and only ivan and tenet now what do we think of these categories and just before we get into them is there any noticeable snubs here because i think there is one
1: yeah for me it's invisible man that's mine as well yeah yeah, okay. I I, I thought the Miss Man was such a fun time, especially in theaters. I think it's a great movie to see with people and just in a packed house. And that's what I've got to see it in. It was awesome. Um yeah, that that's one that's missing for me. I was really hoping it would get in. Uh personally, I think this is the category that has been hurt the most by COVID, right? Because right, yeah. you're not really there's no, like, the big blockbusters that are usually there are not really there to compete. Yeah, like there's, no, probably there's no have...
0: Dune. There's yeah. no, uh, what was the other one? There's, like, Bond Internals probably might. In Internals, Bond yeah. probably could have got in here, too.
1: Yeah, so it's, you're certainly missing a little bit, and that's why you see movies like... The one and only Ivan, which is a Disney Plus original, and uh, does that movie actually uh, exist?
0: Though it's like a is it (laughs) Brian Cranston and an orangutan or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: you know, I watched it. I was really bored one day, so (laughs) I watched it. And you know, um, I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan, uh, and I love the the trilogy this past decade. And if this somehow upsets and wins, I'm going to be so upset because they never won an Oscar. But you're going (laughs) to give it to this monkey movie.
0: Uh, what else is there Mulan oh i haven't well the only films i have seen in uh this uh category hold on i'll just pull you away again is i've only seen love and monsters and tenet and i saw love and monsters because a uh, shout out to a uh, friend of the show and hopefully future guest Dylan Brown uh he worked in the visual effects department of this film and it's a film that, you know, Paramount, like, sort of just didn't really know what to do with during the pandemic. So, in North America, they dumped it on VOD. And it's only, uh, the, the past couple of weeks, it's sort of been released internationally on Netflix. Like, what Paramount have done with a lot of their titles. And I this is a really, really fun film. Like, it, it's a film that, like, it does have a bit of a tonal problem um, in terms of, like, it, it, it's, I guess, I think it's a PG-rated film. But there is a few scenes of some pretty sort of strange violence in it as well. But, like, the the creature design and the visual effects of these creatures is pretty extraordinary and, like, so, so detailed.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a neat point. I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about this movie. I've heard a lot of people kind of rave about it a little bit. And everyone just says it's a fun time. That's pretty much what I always hear about this movie. I haven't got to see this one, but I've seen everything else in the category. And I think Midnight Sky is kind of your traditional space movie that gets in right but um I'm, I'm rooting for Tenet because yeah. I, I didn't I didn't fall in love with the movie I did enjoy it I, I think it's it's a movie that did so much in terms of uh in just terms in terms of craftsmanship I think it deserves it in that regard just to get something this award yeah
0: season. severely undenominated in a lot of the stuff we'll get to it when we get to editing as well but like I think Tenet as well and also I think what a lot of people when they think visual effects, they immediately think, like, oh, CGI. But it's not necessarily just CGI. Like, visual effects, I believe, also include sort of, like, you know, sort of practical effects. And, like, I mean, Kubo and the Two Strings got nominated for this category a few <laughs> years ago. So, like, stop motion and, like, miniatures is also sort of included in that, too. And, I mean, I believe, I think you talked about it on um, the Movie Babel podcast where like Christopher Nolan was almost kind of bragging about how this film only has about like what, like 200 visual effects shots or something like that. And how yeah, like, it's, most of it's, the thing you see in the movie is on ca- all on camera.
1: It's pretty cool. I think, I think that's really neat. And that's for me, why it's deserving, right? There's, there's so much in there that you think, Oh, that's probably a computer, but no, he actually went out and did it. And yeah, this movie has less visual effects shots than your average rom-com, which is just, it, it's, it's weird. It's mind blowing.
0: Yeah, and for that reason, that is why I'm saying that Tenet both should win and probably will win, I'm going to
1: say. I think so too. That's what I'll say as well. I think it's the movie that is the most popular of the five, dare I say. I think it's probably the most popular of the five, Um, and it's it's just the one that isn't kind of the quirkiest to read out on the card. So I, I think it'll pull out the victory.
0: Yeah, and uh, listeners, I will also be keeping track of um, both Brennan and myself's predictions, and I will put them all on a list, and we'll post them to our social media pages to see who gets more right on Oscar night. But I'm almost going to guarantee that it's going to be Brennan.
1: (laughs) Maybe I mean maybe I might take some risks here, see what see if it uh, (laughs) see if they pay off.
0: Well, I was only two behind. I only finished two behind Sarah last year, and I believe those were one of the only two of hers that I didn't that we didn't the ones that we differed on. So she got those correct and I got them wrong.
1: So probably I think some of the ones that last year everyone was kind of back and forth on was the director and picture. I think Tenet, or sorry, not Tenet, Parasite in 1917 and Sam Mendes and Bong Joon-ho seemed to be like, everyone's going back and forth, right? Those yeah. seem to be ones where there were a lot of mismatches.
0: Yeah. All right. So next up, well, let's get into best film editing because it is right here. So I think nominees are yorgos lamprinos not Lanthemos, for the father um we've got chloe zhao who edit who also edited nomadland we've got frederick tover Toravel, Toravel. <laughs> i'm great with pronunciation guys frederick Toravel for promising young woman uh michael eg nielsen for sound of metal and alan baumgarten for the trial of chicago seven Get rid of Trial of Chicago 7 here. It's a TV movie. And I know, I, I think this is probably just, uh, you know, them sort of thinking of how it sort of intercuts between like, you know, the court case and sort of like what they're talking about in the court case and all that sort of stuff. But it's like, I found it really weirdly paced, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said that's why it's here. It, it, that's certainly why it's here. It's a lot of editing. It's it's the movie with the most editing out of these five, certainly. Like, it's it's certainly flashy in that regard maybe not always the best editing uh but it is certainly flashy um for me i i i tend to root for the father here i think yep. the father uh editing is pretty much a second character in that movie aside from error aside by anthony hopkins uh so th- that for me is the one i i root for i think uh, the father it's edited so immaculately it's it's beautiful
0: yeah i've sort of loved the sort of i guess the the film Twitter narrative around The Father which is where it was like when the nominees and all of that was first announced like it was all the sort of talk was like oh this movie doesn't exist or it's like oh this movie's just like sort of lame Oscar bait and you know what to to be fair and to be well to be honest with you I kind of went into seeing The Father with that sort of in my mind with just like thinking that this is just going to be sort of i guess this you know kind of bland but this kind of bland drama that's gonna have a lot of you know like give me an award sort of sport of moments but like you know the acting's still going to be good but no no i was blown away by the father to the point where especially in terms of the editing it made me wonder how this would even because it's adapted from a play, how this would even look on stage because this story and especially in the editing is so inherently cinematic and like, especially the editing in trying to, I guess, sort of piece together and present this sort of fractured dementia riddled mind. And it doesn't do it in unlike sort of like what you're saying with uh, like a lot of sort of other films that would deal with this subject. It doesn't do it in a way that's very flashy or very sort of like, I guess in, in some sort of ways, like sort of unintentionally exploitative. And I found that really fascinating.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, the narrative that you're talking about on film Twitter is is so funny because <laughs> I saw this back in, I saw this at the Toronto international film festival back in September. So I was like really early out the gate and I went into it as well. I mean, I was picking the movies I wanted to see and Anthony Hopkins, dementia drama. I was like, you know, it, it's probably going to be Beatty, but I want to watch it. Cause I like Anthony Hopkins. Sure. So I watch it and Oh, it blew me away from the get-go. Like it's not what you expect. And I loved I, what you said about that narrative, I loved seeing more and more people just watch it and love it as it as it got more accessible. It's just, it was a really cool thing to see throughout the season. And it seems to be peaking at the right time for voters.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I think it's, uh, out of all of the Best Picture nominees, I think it was the one that got like the sort of biggest release or like the, the widest release last, which I think might've been an interesting strategy from, I guess, the distributor and also the makers of the film.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I, th- I think you're right there. I think Judas had that same vibe around february when it first came and then you kind of saw this movie uh capitalize on that but even later in the game and uh it's, it's it's certainly paying off a lot of people are really loving the father but i hate to break it to you sean but i'm uh, predicting trial of chicago seven here
0: oh uh, and now okay now i should probably ask this has trial is trial the one that's been sort of taking out all of the like other sort of ancillary awards shows
1: yeah, you know, it might surprise you to hear this, but Sound of Metal has really been winning the whole season. And then, and Ed, wow! Yeah, it, it, it's it's something that's baffled me and a lot of others in in kind of this circle. Of it, it's a good movie and it's good editing, mm. but you wouldn't expect it to be the Oscars editing pick, right? Like you wouldn't yeah, expect that, but
0: like. It's, I, it's uh, with a lot. I, I think it's also like I t- in terms of a lot of these other categories. Like I think another thing that's sort of like I, mean, I think a lot of editors will say about good editing is that like you know it's an invisible sort of art form. It's not mm-hmm. really something you're meant to notice, and it's like right. sort of yeah, like and- sort of like with visual effects and also particularly sound design. Unless you're doing something like what Sound of Metal does like with this but it's sound design but yeah it's an invisible sort of art form that's like you're not really meant to notice and i think that's something that like you know um that sound of metal does incredibly well especially you know what since it's about music it has this sort of like almost sort of like this rhythmic sort of quality to it i found
1: yeah no 100 percent. i mean it's it there's good editing here it's subtle it's good it keeps the movie flowing at a great pace um but it just doesn't scream like oscar like for me while why i'm picking trial is that it's the flashy one that it's kind of like the Oscar type pick, right? Like you think the Bohemian Rhapsody a couple of years ago with that, all those cuts, <laughs> um, but no, Sound of Metal is they've been winning a lot and they were, they won the critics choice. I believe they won the BAFTA, uh, the British Academy. Oh, and then, okay. yeah. So, so they've been doing well, but then trial won the editing guild last week. So it's putting me back on the trial oh. train for this one. So I, I Sound of Metal is great. It'd be cool if it wins, but I, I'm predicting trial here. So I, I should win Father, Will win. I'm going to go trial here.
0: I'm going to say should the father and I'm going to say will sound of metal. And I say that with zero confidence whatsoever. Could happen. It, it could. Let's hope so. And let's just hope that it's not sound. Um, not No, hope, hope it's sound of metal. Let's hope it's not trial of the Chicago seven. Uh, but moving on, we've got costume design here. So the nominees are Alexandra Byrne for Emma full stop or emma dot that's how they distinguish between the uh the adaptations we have Anne roth for my rainy's black bottom we have trish somerville for mank we have uh B- bina DiGella or D'Aigella for mulan and we have massimo cantini perini or Pa-Per- yeah massimo cantini perini for the Matteo Girone uh version of pinocchio which is i guess sort of A weird award season bolter into some of these categories because I don't think anyone stateside would have seen this film like nobody
1: no it's odd I mean I I, I did not expect it to land in costume like I don't know where this thing came from for this category personally I I I knew hair and makeup it was always going to be a contender just because everyone went crazy about it on the internet but costume was a real shock to me uh I, I was quite surprised by this um, I haven't, I haven't quite got to see this one, but I've seen everything else there in the category. Um, I'm personally someone who tends to root for Emma. I think it's a good movie, and I want to see it recognized somewhere. And their costumes are great, so why not here? But Ma Rainey's been sweeping the season, so I, I, I pick, I predict Ma Rainey, but I, I, I really hope Emma pulls it out.
0: Yeah, I'm of a similar thinking and I'm just double checking that all of these films are either in either fantasy or like, you know, period settings, which, you know, it's it's odd that you see a, that you see a contemporary film in costume design sort of nominations.
1: Yeah, one that I, you know, just quick shout out here was Birds of Prey that I was hoping to get in. I, I thought the costume yeah, sandwich was... was good in that movie.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, it's The Five Bloods, I think. Well, Which 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 film was everyone... Because I think Ruthie Carter was like snubbed for a second time again this year. Do you remember which film it was for?
1: Um, oh, I yeah, I think did she didn't work was on... Was it
0: The Five Bloods?
1: It could have been One Night in Miami. Looking um, at <laughs> Yeah, let's see what she worked on this year. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Because she's, she's always a uh, a real juggernaut, right? And I think there was a little bit of sorry no that was actually last year dolomite that was last year dolomite yeah dolomite year. was
0: what she yeah
1: yeah um, okay
0: oh okay no i missed yeah sorry uh i, I got that confused with last year my mistake but
1: mm-hmm. no no good
0: but yeah birds birds of prey not being in here and and also it didn't make makeup and hairstyling either did it
1: no i was i was hoping no, that's for ridiculous both. <laughs> yeah i was hoping for both it got it got shortlisted but it just couldn't fill out the nomination
0: yeah um I mean, I don't know a whole lot about this. Um, I guess it's just the one that sort of stands out most to me is probably yeah, both what you're saying with both Emma and Ma Rainey. So yeah, I'm probably gonna say I'm gonna say should and will Emma because I, I didn't I wasn't a big fan of that film, but yeah, the costumes in that are quite extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like the, kind of your traditional costume pick, right? That that kind of period piece, uh, posh kind of pick. But it's I, I think they are quite vibrant. I it's quite deserving in my mind.
0: Yeah, are you going the same?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna keep with should or keep with should Emma, but I I'm gonna stick with Marini for my prediction.
0: Okay, so then we go up. Oh, hold on. Uh, just listeners at home, I am just trying to minimize tabs and open and reopen tabs all while I try to organize this. So makeup and makeup and hairstyling is next. Okay, so Emma makes this one again. Uh, Laura Allen, Maurice Langan, Langan, and Claudia Stolls. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy somehow, Patricia Dehaney, uh, Aaron Kruger-McCash and Matthew W. Mungle, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Servio Lopez-Rivera, Maya Neal and Jamaica Wilson, Mank, Colleen Laboff, uh, Kimberly Spiteri and Gigi Williams, and also Pinocchio, which is Delia Collie, Mark Collier and Francesco Pegaretti. So... Interesting nominations, some good ones, some uh, head scratches there. Um, what do we think of this category?
1: Um, you know, stateside and just in North America and even at the British Academy there, Ma Rainey has been sweeping. Uh, that, that, that grease paint look that they gave by o Davis, I think, really mm-hmm. added to her character. I think that's really what's selling it. So it's really yeah. sweeping in that, in that.
0: Yeah. Also, like the layers and layers of product that the rest of the characters are all having their hair in that film is like it stands out yeah i mean i think it's gonna win probably uh, or actually i'm not too, too sure actually i've got no idea
1: yeah it's no you're right i think you you really you really kind of uh hit what i'm thinking there it's just it's it seems like it's it's the fact that it's just so much and it's it adds to her transformative performance as well yeah like, she's really trying to look quite different for me though i'm rooting for pinocchio i think my will win but i'm rooting for pinocchio i think it should win it just i, I like how a lot of those characters look in that in that film
0: yeah so have you actually seen Pinocchio or you've just seen like the sort of like no, the show the, no, so you've no, just yeah. seen the show real just seeing for,
1: the stills and
0: yeah I, I'm with you there like I I, I thought the, that, that yeah Pinocchio I don't know film, yeah so I, I I feel like I'm one of the yeah. few people on earth that have actually seen this Pinocchio film and yeah the the makeup is absolutely phenomenal like what they do to like this young child actor to make him look like a literal wooden puppet it's it's, it's fascinating. And it's not just him as well. Like it's all the other sort of like, you know, like all the creature makeup. There's like, there's like a rat man, like a snail man. There's like a, there's like a woman that's like a fairy as well. Like there's a lot going into it. And like, it's just, it's, it's pretty extraordinary. I think it's, I, I think it absolutely should win, but there is absolutely no way in hell that it ever will. Cause I just don't think like, they might look at this and then be kind of, I guess, like, a lot of people have sort of been, I guess, like, for lack of a better word, like, horrified by some of the, by some of the makeup <laughs> in this film.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think that is kind of an aspect of it. I mean, it gets in because of how horrifying it is, but it may, you know, win because of how horrifying it is.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to say should is going to be, should is Pinocchio, but I reckon, yeah, Ma, I'm with you on saying that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, like, as you said, it's been sweeping, it's going to win here.
1: Yeah, I full agreement.
0: Okay, so then the next category working up from the Wikipedia list is Best Cinematography, which, you know, this is a pretty big category. I'm not quite sure it's why it's all the way down here. But in any event, we've got Sean Bobbitt for Judas and the Black Messiah. We have Eric Messerschmidt for Mank. We have Darius Volsky for News of the World. We have Joshua James Richards for Nomadland. And we also have, for whatever reason, no, no disrespect to this to, to this guy, but Feed On Papa Michael from Child of the Chicago 7. Um <laughs> yeah what that that movie is just it looks so like just visually like sort of like gray and flat and like not very like it's it looks like a tv movie and it doesn't help with it... like just how sort of like uh, like really kind of cheesy a lot of that film is
1: it's bland. It's it's certainly bland cinematography, and I, I'm i not too sure it's here. I, the only reason it's certainly here is because of how big it is overall at the show. Um, yeah, it, it's certainly number five for me if I had to rank the five, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those ones that it's here because of just how good the movie's And overall. For me personally, this list isn't as strong as previous years. I don't know if you feel the same. I feel this category is uh, it's it's just... Like there's not too much of that jumps out at me. I think Nomadland would be my pick to win, and I think it will win. Um, I think it's a beautiful film, and it just it, a lot of gorgeous imagery there that is kind of put on the screen. So that's why I kind of am rooting for it. Um, I'm a fan of Mank as well. I think Judas also has good cinematography, but I think should and will is Nomadland for me.
0: I think I'm with should and will as uh, should and will with Nomadland because. You know, it, it, I'm not uh, as we'll get into it. Like, I think Nomadland is good, but like, I'm not quite too sure if it should. I, I'm I'm not all that keen for it to win Best Picture. Like, I'm fine. Like, it's definitely the front runner for Best Picture, but like, look, I'll be happy. I'll be, I guess, content if it wins Best Picture. But like, I think there are at least four films that are a lot better than than Nomadland that I feel are deserving to win Best Picture. But we're talking about cinematography. And one of the massive upsides of that film is just how absolutely stunning it looks. Like, Joshua James Richardson, his, Joshua James Richards, sorry, like, his work on The Rider, too, which, like, both films, and I believe maybe, I can't remember if he also worked on uh, uh, Joe's first film, uh, Songs My Brother Taught Me, but, like, with both The Rider and also Nomad Nomadland, like, just the use of natural light and in this film is just absolutely stunning. Like, this guy is, like, the only person that should be allowed to shoot a sunset. Like, it's just, you know pretty damn incredible
1: yeah no it's 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 a beautiful movie and that's one of the reasons like I, I saw it at tiff but it was the virtual screening i really want to see this thing in theaters i want to see it on a mm. big screen i think it would add to it a little bit uh, I, I certainly want want to have that experience
0: yeah as someone that did see nomadland on the big screen it absolutely does yeah so i'm gonna say should and will uh joshua james richards for nomadland
1: yep Uh, full agreement uh, yet again
0: yep so then we are into production design next so we have so we have Look, apologies to the like this this show is going to be very very long if we do every single uh nominee and uh (laughs) every single uh, person involved with the nominees so apologies to the production and set designers for the following films but we're just going to name the films from now on because this will be this podcast will be three hours long so the best <laughs> the best uh, production design nominees are the father ma rainey's black bottom mank news of the world and tenet what do we reckon here i i like quite a few i like pretty much all of these nominees in this category actually
1: yeah i think i think they did a good job of this category certainly i th- it's cool to see tenet land in another category um i couldn't see a nolan movie just getting one uh nomination they're usually they usually get a, a whole slew so that that's yeah two yeah. Um, i forgot i
0: forgot to mention when uh, yeah. we were talking i forgot to mention when we were talking about eddling, uh, uh, editing apologies to cut you off there brennan but where is jennifer lame's nomination for the editing of tenet like that's insane
1: I agree. I think she deserves she she deserves some recognition in the editing department. Uh, that like just to do all that backwards, that backwards stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I for me, she she would be in my five personally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Same with mine. But I'm happy that it's in, in here in production design as well because you know, like this is a film that's like very much sort of in a way it has that very sort of slick sort of Nolan look to it. And like, I guess like there's, there's also sort of like, in a lot of his films, there's kind of like this sterility to his locations that a lot of people aren't really a big fan of, but this kind of feels dirty and like, really sort of like in a way, sort of really grungy. And I guess a lot of that like helps with like sort of locations that they go to. And like, you know, it's a very, it's a globe hopping adventure, but then like all the other sort of sets that they create, I think, you know, really capture, like really add to the sort of like an, yeah, it really adds to the film, I found.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I certainly agree. But personally, you know, I enjoyed Mank and I think it's a gorgeous movie. And that's my should and will. Like, I, I'm pretty content with Mank sweeping the season thus far. It's a movie that got, got a ton of nominations, but probably won't win a whole heck of a lot of places. But I think the production design in Mank was really good. Um, and I, I am mean, rooting for it. I do want to shout out The Father, though, because a lot of people are really there. Um, they're very high on the father and just how how neat that movie is in terms of that they're kind of changing the sets as the movie goes along to yeah. kind of to kind of trick the viewer and such like that. Yeah, it's 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 cool.
0: Yeah, and I think also that film with the father as well. I think you get a good sense of spatial awareness as to where I guess everything is in that sort of in you know in that flat that they're in and yeah like it and i guess we were talking about with um with costume design like you you normally see either like period films or like i guess like very much far into the future sort of like you know it's like sort of science fiction that normally get nominated in like these sort of technical categories for production design and costumes but it's interesting to see sort of i guess two contemporary or like you know it's like kind of presently set films in here and then you've got like you know three period pieces which are you know all three of those films are pretty from from what i can tell obviously obviously i'm not a time traveler so i don't know if they're like you know realistic interpretations of those times but they look like they're pretty close and i think they do a pretty good job but yeah it's interesting to see two contemporary films nominated in these uh in these uh in these categories and i think they're very well deserved
1: yeah i like seeing contemporary movies land in there i think production design as well to to a lesser extent so I'm happy to see a couple of them slide in there. So
0: what do we think is going to win? So you said, what was it? Mank is the one that's sweeping all the, all of the other awards shows here. I did like Mank. I think it is a pretty good for, again, from, I'm not a time traveler, but like from what I've seen from not only, I guess, trying to replicate Citizen Kane and also the films of that era, it's pretty spot on in terms of, you know, crafting those sort of like, you know, that sort of old Hollywood sort of feel and like those sort of, you know, like that like this sort of artifice to like everything that's sort of happening and like trying. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I'm going to say should is probably get it. I'm going to say should is Tenet, but I'm going to say will is Mank.
1: Yeah. That's a good, good little thrown Tenet, some love. That's good.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it didn't get nominated anywhere else. so
1: I'm Mank for both. I, I like Mank a lot and I think it'll, it'll win.
0: Yeah, I might have to rewatch. Ma- like, I- *Mank* is one of those films where I watched it, really enjoyed it, but have barely thought about it since. So, hopefully, between now and uh, Monday afternoon, I might try to rewatch it before, uh, before the uh, ceremony. But we're moving on to Best Sound, aka the Sound of Metal Award. So, it's gonna go to the film that literally <laughs> has "sound" in the title. And w- the Oscars have done something interesting here. So, I, I believe, like about twenty years ago, I believe they split the best sound category into sound editing and sound mixing. but now they've brought it back together.
1: yeah, it's 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 a change and they're kind of kind of lining up now with the British with the afterwards who have had best sound for a consistent amount of time. So yeah, for me, I was always a fan of having it split. I think it's kind of cool, but uh, it's I guess it's easier on the viewer and the voter to have it as one. Uh, so it is one now and for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah. Now, do you know if um the people like that have been nominated here, if they are both the editors and the mixers of the sound, or are these just you know just the lead the heads of the sound department that are getting the the awards here?
1: That is a very good point. That's not something I've looked into, but that's uh, a point that I've that I'm glad you raised. I think it's something that no one's really thought about. So I'm definitely going to take a look at that uh, after this.
0: Okay. So, but the nominees we have for this one are Greyhound, Mank. Uh, news of the World, Soul and Sound of Metal. Look, just before we get into gushing about Sound of Metal and how it uses its sound design, I just want to talk about Soul really quickly because I think that's probably going to run second. Because I think what it, what's really interesting of that film is not only you know, what the sound has to do along with the music of the film as well, but I think also the, the weird, the, the very interesting and sort of like, I guess, sort of like dreamlike soundscape that is in the, um, what is it, the before? The, bu- the before life? It's mm-hmm. been a while since I've seen Soul, soul but like mm-hmm. basically the soul world and like the it, it creates like this really interesting soundscape, which I think was really, really creative. But sound like the the other the other nominees that do do well as well. like you know mank Mank, I think is interesting as well in trying to sort of like recreate that sort of like, you know, again, like recreating that sort of like, I guess aesthetic, but for sound of the time. and you know, so it was all kind of like you know, it feels like it was recorded onto like a wax. It was like, you know, Onto a wax record and like you know it's sort of creaky and like you can hear like there's this constant like sort of drone in the background, like you know I think I think it does really well. Yeah, I Um, like. Yeah, you go.
1: I like that pickle. I like Manx. I like that Manx here a lot. I think in recent years I've become a lot more appreciative of uh period piece sound designs. It's not something I ever really thought about when I first started kind of thinking critically about this, and uh, I was thinking more of you know the flashier maybe war movies maybe sci-fi movies stuff like that but once upon a time in Hollywood last year was one that I was really happy that got into sound and now Mank this year because I do think they are and Mank especially just does a great job of replicating that era even just just pretty I mean it's, it's essentially everything in the movie even just the dialogue the way um you just kind of hear that as you said that drone in the background it's it's certainly um pleasing like it, it's certainly a very good uh very good work from that sound team
0: yeah. I, I mean, I, as I said, I haven't seen Mank in a while, so I might be just making up the whole drone in the sound thing, but I think that's just my memory of the film. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I have not seen Greyhound, but I can imagine, because it's the old um, Oscars thing of uh, sound, of I, I believe sound editing, where they're like, oh, war movies always get nominated and they always win because the loudest movies mm-hmm. win. So this movie, I guess, just because it's nominated because torpedoes go boom and Tom Hanks shouts, I imagine. Um, that's
1: right. Yeah, I watched it about... I think I watched it last week, and uh, yeah, it's it's that you you exactly got it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, Sound of Metal is the should and will for this one Apologies to News of the World But I think that does an interesting Like there's a lot of gunshots in, in News of the World that reverberate a lot And you know, an interesting sort of soundscape I guess of the Old West Or like, you know, the American Frontier it does a good job of that But yeah, Sound of Metal Like what this film the, the one that does it I think most creatively And I think most is in service of not only the story And also the character's journey of the film Is Sound of Metal What this does to What the sound design does to get you into the headspace of someone that is going deaf and is in complete and utter denial about it is just extraordinary
1: oh the moment i watched this movie the moment it got done i was like oh that's got to be the winner for this category it's just so unique and it's it's one of the rare movies that sure every movie uses sound but this movie sound is kind of the main character in a way and um it's, it's it's certainly my should and my will i think it will certainly win as well uh it's just it, it, it's completely incredible how they intertwine that into the film
0: yeah and especially for this you know for a film which for large stretches of it takes place in a deaf community where there is no dialogue there is a lot of emphasis put on the sound design and you know it really really shines so that is why it is the should and will for me
1: yeah no me too 100 percent
0: all right, but next we're going into the, the two music categories are next. So we'll go into Best Original Song, which is probably the easiest category to actually go through and listen and, you know, to cover all of the, all of the, of the yeah. nominees. Yet, I it, like, if you were asked me to sort of hum the tune to the, any of these songs, I, gun to the head, no, no, I'm dead. So for these ones, we have a Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah from uh, H.E.R., we have Hear My Voice from uh, The Trial of Chicago 7. Um, we have Husavik from the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, The Story of Fire Saga. Um, that's, uh, who would have thought that would get nominated? Um, we have EOC, or C- otherwise known as Scene, from The Life Ahead. And we also have Speak Now from One Night in Miami, which is uh, performed by Leslie Odom Jr., which mm-hmm. I believe like that's the only one I can kind of remember. And also like Leslie Odom jr, you know, from this, his Oscar nomination for the film. And then also like still all the Hamilton hype around him. Like, I think he's got this, even though oh, I, think, I agree. The song is just kind of fine, but yeah, I think he's got this.
1: I agree. I think it's, it's a good song. Uh, and I think he's uh, he's a, he's a talented artist and I think that he'll, he'll win, but, um, you know what the should win is tough for me because H- Husevik's kind of been growing on me uh like it it's and you got to give it props for being the only movie in the category that's actually in the film right the other four are in the credits so i mean oh, you got to give it props that yeah that it, like i don't think that plays into the awards at all but i think um it kind of is more pure in my mind like i'm kind of looking at it and saying you know you you did the right thing like you're actually in the movie you're not just a credit song but i like speak now personally like i i got it on my phone i listened to it it's it's a nice song. So, while I love Husevic, Uh I, I would go, should, and I think will, is speak now for me, despite, you know, giving the props there to Eurovision.
0: Now, I have not seen the Eurovision movie. Now, is the Husevich, is that song played, I guess, or, or performed in, like, a really, really sort of big moment in the film where, like, everything sort of comes together and, like, you know, it's like this big sort of show-stopping sort of, like, number oh.
1: Exactly. That's. I mean, the whole movie leads to the song. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's the song that they perform at Eurovision. So it's it's certainly right the big part. And I mean, the movie's not great. It's a Will Ferrell comedy. Like, it's not the best thing in the world. But Rachel uh, McAdams is pretty uh, charming as always mm-hmm. in the movie. And the music's cool. And uh, I mean, that that that's kind of why I give it props there because it is it does play that big role.
0: Yeah. And from what I understand as well, like it's been written, like a lot of the music of the film and this song in particular was written by like, I guess, sort of like legendary writers of the song contest, like the, you know, songwriters who have, you know, created like hit after hit for like, that have come out of the Eurovision song contest.
1: Yeah. I I wonder if that'll play into it. I know they're, they're campaigning this movie pretty good. They're trying to get the word out for it. Um, But it's certainly a tough race. I think from what I'm hearing uh, kind of just, from a lot of people is you got Husevic, you got uh, Yossi or Scene uh, from The Life Ahead, and then you got Speak Now is kind of your three that are kind of running ahead here. Uh, Diane Warren has been nominated for a bunch of Oscars, and she kind of has that overdue narrative, if you will. Um, it's also, I think, on Netflix, The Life Ahead, so that kind of adds to its uh, reach a little bit. But um, yeah, it looks like it's those three running in the race here, but I do think Speak Now is probably going to pull it out.
0: Yeah, well, having having not seen the film or I think even have heard the song, I am going to go should Husavik, Just because, you know, I think that'll be cool. And why not change things just just throw us throw a throw a wild card into the mix, why not? But yeah, I do think it's probably gonna be Speak Now from One Night in Miami. And look, if that's one night, in Miami's only win, like you know, so be it. Like I'm, um, I, I wish it it, it got severely under nominated for a few things. Like um, I think Leslie Odom, I thought uh, Kingsley Benadire probably should have been nominated ahead of Leslie Odom Jr. But like I'm, um, and could have, or maybe should have got a best director nomination. But yeah, if this is their only win, that like I'm, I'm happy for it.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I enjoyed that movie when I first saw it, and I thought it would be a little bit stronger than it was at the Oscars, but it certainly slipped off a little. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think this will probably be the one they, they pick up.
0: Okay. So then we move on to the other music category, which is the best original score, which is uh, T Reznor and Atticus, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross versus Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. <laughs> but the other Pretty nominees, much. so they are nominated for both Mank and Soul, the Soul score, of course, with um, the John Batiste. John, yeah, John Batiste. And then the other nominees are James Newton Howard for Tenet. Uh, I was going to say Tenet because, you know, he's worked, should with, be no- here. He's worked with Nolan before and that, that score should be, but that was Lud- Ludwig Goranson who should have been nominated for Tarrant. Tenet. I'm just all over the place today. I'm sorry. <laughs> so James Newton Howard is nominated for News of the World. Emil uh, Masseri is nominated for Minari and also Terence Blanchard in the only nomination for Defied Bloods.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, what what do you what do you say, right? I think this is a good category. I like uh, yeah. I love three d these scores personally. I love Mank, I love Minari, I love Soul. I have them. I've downloaded them, I listened to them a lot, they're all really good. The um, five blood score is not bad. And I haven't really listened to the news of the world one, like it didn't really get my attention, but uh, I'm 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 a but guy think- who likes the, the tennis score. I, I wish it was here.
0: Like I I, while watching News of the World, it did kind of stick out to me, and also I think it, it's kind of a name check for James Newton Howard, who I think has he won before? But he, he's he's like a you know he's a staple of you know the Oscars now. Like he's he's almost like a like a John Williams type. Like he's a name check at this point. But let's have a look. Has he won an Oscar? He has not. He has been nominated. eight times no not eight or nine times i believe so he's been nominated a lot but so a couple for original song but then you know a couple of scores ones but yeah has not won
1: wow yeah i mean i mean you said he's a staple right eight or nine nominations but no no victories i just don't think this is the one for him i think oh no soul's gonna win here and um, you know, personally, my favorite is the Minari one. So, if I had to be, if I was a voter, I'd vote for the Minari score. I think that's the should, but I think Soul's going to win, and I have no problem with Soul winning because it is just gorgeous, and the score is awesome, and it's it, it's a tricky score to do, but they're blending two, yeah. um, they're blending kind of two types of music, right? And it's it's pretty impressive. So, yeah. it's a tough category, but I, I I I would root for Minari, but I think Soul will take it and deservedly.
0: Yeah. And it just shows how like incredibly talented both Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is, you know, like Trent, I believe I'm not quite sure about Atticus Ross. I believe he might've been also was, I believe was Atticus Ross also a part of Nine Inch Nails as well? Or was that just Trent Reznor?
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think, uh, I'm not too sure, but that it might be the both of them, but I'm not too sure.
0: Yeah, but, like, so, but, yeah, that sort of Nine Inch Nails music is, like, so far removed from, like, the school, the music in Soul. It's bizarre. But yeah. it just shows how, like, multi multi like, just how incredibly talented those guys are as musicians. And also John Batiste as well, like, sort of, you know, working on, I believe he did most of the sort of jazzy stuff or, like, <clears> sort <throat> of consulted on a lot of the more sort of jazz side of it. So, yeah, yeah like, so, Soul is, and I love the Minari score as well, but, like, Soul just, like, completely eclipses it. So that's a should-will for me perfect so then we get into the short categories next i believe so now how many how (laughs) familiar with you are you with these ones because i believe we when i did this when i did this pod with sarah last year we blasted through the like all three of these in like two minutes because none of us had seen any of them
1: That's what we'll do. That's what we got to do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've
0: I've seen one out of the 15. Yeah, the I, belie- I believe that's me as well. So well, that's the animated short, I believe, if I think I know the one you're talking about. So we'll start if there. Any,
1: if anything happens, I love you. Is that the one? Yes,
0: that's the one. That's the one I've yeah. seen. But the other nominees for best animated short are Burrow, Genus Loki, or Lochi, I'm going to say Genus Loki, uh, Opera, and Yes People. Um, I have no idea unfortunately I have no idea about any of these other films but uh, this this category is always interesting because you see like this is a lot, a lot of the times where th- this is normally the category where there's so many incredibly great animations and incredibly distinct animation styles that sort of all kind of come mm-hmm. together and then the Academy just picked the Pixar movie But
1: <laughs> and the Pixar movie will lose this year I mean Burrow is the Pixar one this year and I think what's the common denominator here? What's the only one that we've seen? That's if anything happens, I love you. So I'm going to go with that one. I think that that'll probably win. I'm not going to give a should just because I haven't, I'm not qualified for that, but I think that'll probably win. And, you know, I last year uh, for the animated short category, I was able to see them all in a cinema, which was very fun. Yeah. I got to see them as well as the movies that got shortlisted. So it was like 10 shorts hour and a half. And it was just such a fun time, but obviously couldn't get to a theater, COVID, this year. And it was just tough to find a lot of these. So I'm going to go with the one that was on Netflix, which is If Anything Happens, I Love You.
0: Yeah, it's it's nine minutes long. It's, again, the animation stylings of it is really, you know, I believe, hand-drawn, I believe. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. a while since I've seen it. There might be a little bit of, like, sort of computer blending of all of the things together. But, yeah, it's just... You know, If Anything has Happens, I Love You is just a really, you know, it it has a very sort of confronting topic and it's a really, really moving film that I think, you know, everyone has seemed to be, have responded to like, you know, with overwhelming praise for this film. And though I haven't seen any of the other films, the fact that it's on Netflix, the fact that it's got so much overwhelming praise, I think it's going to eclipse, like, the, you know, the the Pixar checkmark that normally happens in this category. So, yeah, again, like, I, it, it feels strange to say should and will for these ones, but I'm going to say should and will for If Anything Happens, I Love You. Mm-hmm. That's not to take anything away from any of these other films because I just have not seen them. So, apologies. Yeah. And then so we go into the best live action short, which is Feeling Through, The Letter Room, Uh, The Present, Two Distant Strangers and White Eye. Um, so I guess this is the part of the show where I ask you what has been what what, what do you th- what is the front runner and what has been winning at sort of like other short film awards, if any of them. The only one that sticks out to me that I recognise is Two Distant Strangers, because at least here in Australia, that's on Netflix.
1: Okay, yeah. Um that one seems to be the front runner. That one's certainly front runner. And um the letter room might have a little bit of buzz because Oscar Isaac is the lead in the letter room. Oh okay. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't I think two strangers is is kind of socially relevant for the times and it seems to be the one that's generated the most chatter. So I would I would slot that in as the one that I think will win, not too sure, but the should win. Um but that's the one that I'm going to kind of go on for what I predict will win. But yeah, I think it's neat to note that Oscar Isaac was in the letter room as kind of the lead, but the rest of them, I'm not too sure about, but I just know two distant Strangers seems to be the one that's the buzziest. So I'm going to, I think that's our safe bet today.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you know if any of these shorts or if any of these ones are like, and I guess they'd mostly show up in best live action short film. If like any of these films were shot during like lockdowns or during like during covid
1: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I I know um, there are a couple of them that are from pre-COVID. I know Feeling Through is uh, pre-COVID. I know, um, I believe, The Present as well. Yeah, I think most of them are pre-COVID shot, but I wouldn't put it by at least one of them to be during. I'm not too sure, though, but I I will look into that. That's a neat neat point because you had, what was the first movie that kind of got shot? Malcolm and Marie seemed like the first one that got done
0: noticeably absent Um, from the Oscars and from what I've heard uh thank goodness for that I have not seen it because um (laughs) I just uh kind of I kind of despise Sam Levinson as a filmmaker so I just it it wasn't very good so you're not
1: missing out that much but yeah Yeah, it, it wasn't the best not not at all
0: But here, but regardless, like, as I said, like, the only one that, like, that really jumps out to me, and just because I think it's, like, in terms of accessibility, or like, the only one that I know is kind of accessible, is Two Distant Strangers, and as you said, it's got, like, a socially relevant sort of narrative to it, and, like, sort of, you know, like, social commentary to it, that's probably why it is going to win, so I'm going to pick that one.
1: Yeah, you know, before we do move on, I think it's interesting to know while Netflix may not bring home the big crown jewel of best picture uh uh this year i think that they're, they're going to pick up a couple short categories and i think while maybe um we always talk about the netflix narrative of its accessibility and if that helps a movie in award season i think for shorts it most certainly does because shorts are not something you can go to the theaters like you can for a regular film generally so i mean if you put it out on netflix more people are going to see so i think that's kind of playing into some of netflix successes here
0: yeah do you think well do you think that might even happen in terms of like animated shorts in i guess like i I guess this will just go for streaming in general for awards shows but i'm I'm thinking with animated shorts like if all of these disney animated shorts are going to go to disney plus now and not necessarily be like you know in front of uh in front of these other like their theatrical releases like do you think do you think that's going to help them or do you think what do you reckon there
1: uh you know i i wonder because i don't know i know a lot of people have disney plus i know it surged i i don't know if it'll change i don't know if it'll change their um i don't know if it'll change their ability i think when the animated short from pixar is played before a uh, uh pixar movie i think you're kind of forced to watch it like i i haven't really been urged to watch i haven't had an urge to watch too many of the shorts on disney plus yet i just don't it's not something that I'm, I'm sitting down to do so i feel like It might help them that it's super accessible at any time, but I think it was quite effective playing it before the big build Pixar releases. Like I I think back to Bao from a couple years back with Incredibles 2, that's one that like everyone saw and everyone loved for the three minutes it was on before Incredibles 2 started. So while it may help them in some areas, it may hurt in others.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, And then completing the last short subject are the documentary shorts, which again have not seen any of these. They are probably all incredible that, you know, are, are about some really fascinating topics, but unfortunately we do not know any, well, I don't know anything about these. I cannot speak for Brennan and um, I can't, I can't look these up in real time again, because this podcast would be three hours long. <laughs> but, so for documentary short subject, we've got Colette, a concerto in is a concerto is a conversation. Uh, do not split hunger ward and a love song for Latasha.
1: Yeah, um, I, I really, you know, I. This is the one category that I'm completely checked out of. Like, I really don't have too much of a gauge on this one. I had a good chat with our our boss over there, Movie battle, Nick Kush, who got to watch them all, and he believes a love song for Natasha will win. Uh, if you want to take Nick's word on it, we can. <laughs> but <laughs> me personally, I'm this. This is the one category I'll I'll completely check out in.
0: Did Nick also say how accessible these sorts of ones were?
1: Yeah, he didn't quite mention these. He actually rented them through an Amazon Prime oh, bundle. It was okay. like twelve dollars, and you got you got all fifteen shorts for twelve dollars, which oh, okay. isn't the worst in the world. I think that's a that's a good bargain. Um, so yeah, he didn't he didn't mention the accessibility here of the documentary short subject, but I do. He did mention that one. He said it's it's a pretty socially relevant one, and it was quite good. He said so. I, that's the one I'll I'll, I'll predict.
0: Okay, I I will also do the same out of just complete out of complete conjecture and also the fact that we need to move this show along. So then we go into the longer documentary, which is the documentary feature. So here we have Collective Crip Camp, the Mole Agent, the Oc- my Octopus Teacher, and Time. Now I have only seen out of these documentaries, I have only seen Time, which is the film that is incredible, like absolutely incredible, but. And, you know, again, socially relevant and really, really heartbreaking sort of story, but it's going to lose to that dumb octopus movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I I think at the beginning of the season, I was thinking Crip Camp or Time would, would go all the way here. Maybe even the death of Dick Johnson, but my activist teacher has just been surging and soaring and winning everything these last few months. So that's the one that, um, I'm gonna predict here I know I haven't got to see all five of them I know collective is I am supposed to be quite good dying to
0: see collective it is I missed the press showing for it and it's playing in only one cinema in Melbourne like I might even go see it once we're done recording but like I everybody I've heard talk about collective say that is it is phenomenal and I cannot wait for it yeah and, i've heard I've heard great things but I, I think also the reason and I've I was heard just, great things i've been listening to a couple of um you know sort of other oscars predictions podcasts and what they've said about these sorts of things and I, one of them was basically saying how i think the surge of the octopus teacher has kind of been like it's one of the few like sort of light-hearted documentaries here and the rest are all mm-hmm. like con- like pretty confronting or like you know tackle some pretty serious subject matter and my octopus teacher is just like oh it's just this south african guy and like you know his cool little octopus <laughs> buddy <laughs> And yeah, there's like, yeah. I guess there's I mean, an I think environmental sort intricate. of, I guess there's a sort of environmental aspect for it, it too, but like, I don't know, they like time, uh, Crip Camp could be one here because, you know, it's Netflix, it's the Obamas, like they, was it last year that they won for American Factory?
1: Yeah, that was last yes. year, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that that could be, I guess, and Collective could be a dark horse as well, being nominated in both, um, I guess, um, it was an international feature, but then also Mm -hmm. documentary, you know, following in the footsteps of Honeyland, which did that as well last year. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm going to say should is time. And that's just based on the fact that I have yet to see Collective, but I'm going to say it's probably going to be my octopus teacher. And I say that very begrudgingly, despite having not (laughs) seen it.
1: Yeah, really weirdly took off this award season. Uh, I think it's a safe bet though. We gotta stick with it to be safe here. But um, I wouldn't count out Crit Camper* time. I think they're definitely lurking.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say my octopus teacher, but it should definitely, definitely be time. But we said *Collective* was nominated in that, and it is also nominated in best international feature. So, yeah, Collective, as we said, it's a, it's a film from Romania. It was their entry for Best International Feature this year. The other nominees are Another Round from Denmark. As much as Another Round is a good title, we really should use the Danish title, which is Druk. We really should use it. <laughs> Druk is a great title. But the other nominees are Better Days from Hong Kong, uh, The Man Who Skulled This Skin from Tunisia, and Quo uh, Vitus Ida from Bosnia and Herzegovina hers
1: Herzev- of yeah.
0: i always get that name wrong apologies to bosnia and herzegovina sorry
1: you know it looks like you got that pretty good uh, that's yeah. better than what i would have said
0: yeah um this th- i guess this category was surprising in a lot of ways because uh a lot of people were not expecting a lot of these films to make the cut here like especially i guess the life ahead was one that a lot of people were expecting to make in this one, you know, it was Italy's entry. It's like, I think one of the first films in like 10 years that Sophia Loren has been in, like, you know, it's her first film in quite a while, I believe, you know, so like Mm -hmm. that was a big tip to get nominated. It didn't. Um, But yeah, like, I think it's just the competition is, I guess I'm not going to say lacking because another round is the only film I've seen out of this bunch. Like I've heard great things about Quo Ida, but Yeah, um, The Man Who Sold His Skin is an interesting one. Um, I had the chance to see that at the uh, French Film Festival this year, but uh, there was very few screenings and I could not make it to any of them, unfortunately. But yeah, I think Another Round here almost has it in the bag. And I think also Vinterberg being in director as well helps that immensely.
1: Oh, for certainly. I mean, him getting into that director slot, which was a huge surprise and, and a welcomed one as well, I think is kind of tipping off that they're certainly winning this one. For me, it should and will for another round. I, I quite like the movie and I, I'll be glad to see it win uh, come Sunday.
0: Yeah, and Vinterberg's been around, you know, he's been around for a very long time. You know, he's one of the founders of the Dogma 95 sort of style from, you know, along with Lars von Trier. He's made, like Lars von Trier, he's made some pretty depressing and very, very, you know, confronting sort of films. But Another Round is, you know, it it, it does have this sort of like, you know, like uh, this sort of lust for life to it and like, you know, this incredible energy to it. But there is also... Some, like everyone talks about that. I mean, I'll get more into this when we talk about like original screenplay where I think it absolutely should have got nominated and did not for whatever reason. But yeah, like it's a film that has that is a really delicate uh balancing act i felt i find and everyone talks about that sort of ending as being euphoric like and it is it absolutely is but if you look at it from another lens it is incredibly tragic and like kind of really really depressing from another lens and i think that sort of ambiguity is what really helps another round and yeah that's why i think it's a should will here and yeah it's just it's an it's a really really great film that's just gotten better the more that i've thought about it and i cannot wait to watch it again
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Vinterberg's The Hunt, which I watched recently, and it's nice that that film didn't win this award uh, eight years ago, but now this one will avenge it, you know, so I'm happy for it.
0: Do you know, that was was that 2013 or 2012? Which film beat it, do you know?
1: Uh, I don't quite know which, which film beat it, but yeah, it was 2012.
0: Okay, I will, I will get this up while we talk about our next category, which is Best Animated Feature here. So the nominees for this film, uh, this is probably the one, uh, and I'm surprised that I have seen four out of the five nominees on this list. <laughs> so the films are Onward, Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, uh, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. The film, again, it's the Pixar, the Meryl Streep of animation, they are going to win this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should be Wolfwalkers, but it's going to be Soul. And look, I think Soul is good. It's, soul is good, but it's Wolfwalkers is just on another level. It really should win. I think that film was absolutely phenomenal. The animation, just like the world building as well. Like it's a great fantasy film. That's just, oh, it's just it's a film that you can get absolutely lost in. Oh, I loved it.
1: I uh, You know what? I respect that. I respect that. I'm, I'm a should and will to Soul because I loved it. But Wolf Walkers for me is right behind it. I love that movie. Um, the, the rest of the list, I mean, no one's really got a shot. I think Soul's pretty much, pretty much has this in the bag. But I think Wolf Walkers, they definitely have a little, maybe something there. But Soul's, uh, Soul's certainly going to win. And yeah, I mean, shout out to Wolf Walkers for just being great. <laughs> that's that's a really good movie. Um, but yeah, for me, it shouldn't win Soul, but uh, I, I do like Wolf Walkers quite a bit.
0: I am also gonna say a very nice shout out to um uh the Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon, which I which is a film that I actually saw when did I see that? I saw that in December of twenty nineteen. So it it, it, it it was it was it had a scheduled cinematic it came out in Australia like I believe either New Year's Day or very early January in twenty twenty. And you know, I had the, the press showing of it like a week, like a couple of weeks beforehand, like just before Christmas. And it is just absolutely delightful. Like I've grown up with, I grew up with Wallace and Gromit and Sean the Sheep. And, you know, being named Sean, like it, it's the most, it's the laziest <laughs> nickname I've ever been given. And Sean the Sheep Farm Again, is actually quite an interesting, um, it, it's a film that has become weirdly personal for me now because um, this year my beloved Geelong Cats played in an AFL grand final and they lost. And I was feeling pretty down and pretty, just not really feeling that great at all. And I, just before I went to bed, cause I couldn't go to bed thinking about how Geelong lost that game. So I put on Shaun the Sheep Farm again and it was just delightful. And it made me not think about how Geelong gave up a big lead to, <laughs> to basically lose a, a game from a pretty unlosable position. And yeah, that's, that's why I love, love Shaun the Sheep. And it's just such a great film and it's a movie that is also which i think mark Kermode talked about in his review that is very cinema literate like it recreates the opening of 2001 with a toaster and also with the music cue it is absolutely fantastic but again it has no absolutely no chance of winning so i'm going to say it an absolute should is wolf walkers but it's going to be soul and you know what that that's fine but i would really love it to be wolf walkers i've also looked up what one Uh, in 2013 over The Hunt and it was Paolo Sorrentino's The Great Beauty from Italy won in 2013. Mm. So that's what it won over, which I haven't seen that film, but like Sorrentino's a really interesting sort of filmmaker and a lot of people really like that film. So, I mean, I can't really comment on it.
1: Yeah, fair, fair fair. say.
0: But now I have to close that Wikipedia tab and open another one. Which, where are we getting into? We're getting into the bigger ones now. So, we're getting into screenplay, actors, and directors, and the pictures. So, we've only got eight left. So, let's get into it. So, we've got best adapted screenplay first, which... The nominees are Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, Delivery of Prodigious Bribe to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Had to do it. I had to, but it's just going to be Borat's Subsequent Movie Film from now on, okay? We, the audience don't need that. So, but then next we have The Father, then we have Nomadland, then we have One Night in Miami, and we also very weirdly have The White Tiger,
1: yeah if you thought Borat was weird to get in, think of the White Tiger. I mean, like two movies that I didn't quite expect to land in here that did. Borat was kind of creeping up there in the days leading up to the nominations, but uh, the White Tiger was one that for me, I didn't really catch on to um yeah, you know this is an interesting category i've I've kind of been back and forth between one Night in Miami, uh the Father, Nomad Land, and Borat. I wouldn't mind seeing Borat win. I think that'd be quite funny um. And I mean, it's it's a it's an enjoyable movie too. But for me, you know, I have to go with the father. I think for me, it's the best screenplay of the bunch, and I I hope to see it win. However, I I think Nomadland is going to pull it out. Um, it's 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 a tough call, but I'm just going with my gut here and, and thinking they're gonna they're gonna win that one.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, no, it's interesting because the source material of Nomadland is a nonfiction book. And, you know, Chloe Zhao is what she does, what she did with the writer is blend, like, take this story of this real life guy, uh, the, the real story of the main actor, Brady, Brady I forgot his name, uh, but then sort of fictionalize that, like, fictionalize his own story and retell that on screen. Like, it was just so fascinating. Nomad Land doesn't quite reach the heights of that, but, like, in terms of the blending sort of documentary and, you know, and uh you know uh, what's the word narrative just regular sort of feature narrative sort of aspects to it i think it does really well in that regard my issue with that like from from a from a screenplay from a screenplay like sort of perspective it does that really well my issue is just the casting of frances mcdormand and it's not that the fact that she's bad it's just the fact that she's cast in the movie at all because it's hmm. just i saw like and this is just my my issue with the film like i think it Maybe I'm just nitpicking here, but, like, while I was watching Nomadland, like, I didn't see her character. I just saw it was Frances McDormand, a bunch, a sea of, you know, real people. And it was distracting and it was kind of, you know, didn't, it didn't really make what the film was doing work as well as it should have. Because I was just seeing Frances McDormand on screen and not this character.
1: Yeah, that's a really neat take. Not one that I've heard before. I mean, you you told me before we jumped in that you you had a take on this movie that was differing from what we've seen a little bit uh, from some of the controversy. Not a lot, but from some of it. But yeah, well, yeah that's I, a really I don't think neat my, take.
0: I don't think my take is controversial at all. Like, I'm not just talking about like the oh, this movie glorifies Amazon or if it like it glorifies poverty or anything like that. Like, I don't think the film does any of that really at all. Like the amaz the whole Amazon thing, like it's literally just a place where she works. There is no commentary about it whatsoever.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think it's a neat point, um, but yeah, that, that's a, that, that Francis McDormand uh, piece that you say there, that's something I'll, I'll definitely think about when I, when I think about this movie Um, really neat, really neat point to bring up.
0: Yeah. But, but in terms of what I want to win and maybe what I think will win is, I mean, I think maybe Nomadland will win because it is a good, in terms of adapting the screenplay, it does a really, it does really interesting things with it. I just don't think it really executes it as well in the sort of, direction of the film but more of that later but I think the father here is what you know in terms of adapting that sort of source material like as I said in terms of the editing like I'm struggling to comprehend how this would even work on stage because like it just as I said it feels so inherently cinematic to me so the adaptation process to get to that point just must have just been probably a nightmare I could imagine but like it just works (laughs) so so flawlessly and yeah, it's 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 great.
1: Yeah, I mean Florence Zeller. I mean he he directed that movie to a T, and uh, you see, it, I mean you see it in the screenplay. right? The screenplay is really good. Now that, that's that is why it is my should, but I, I'm sticking with Land for the for the will.
0: Yeah, I'm unfortunately the same. But so we can move on to original screenplay now, otherwise known as the Why the Hell Isn't Another Round Here Award. Um, so we've got Judas and the Black Messiah for original screenplay. We also have Minari. We also have Promising Young Woman. We also have sound of metal and the tokenistic uh nomination of aaron sorkin <laughs> for trial of chicago seven because it's a name check at this point
1: yeah no it is um i i like most of the screenplays here i think uh that another round statements for need i think that that, that getting in would have been nice um i also was hoping to see Mank get in here personally um uh, just to kind of see uh, Jack Fincher get in which which I thought would be cool the late Jack Fincher um, for me uh, a lot of these are, are pretty good I I am of the belief that Minari should win I love that screenplay I think the movie's beautiful and I think it's so personal and I, I, I just love how original that is it's it while it's original it's also so easy to adapt to to so many different things you know it's such a universal tale but it is so original at the same time so that for me is my should however i think for a while it looked like trial but promising young woman has been kind of surging and that's my prediction for what will win
0: uh here's the thing like i think promising i mean it we can get into promising young woman now and i don't want to be the man being the voice of dissent towards promising young woman because the internet doesn't need that shit there's there's enough of that already (laughs) but um but like look I'm, i'm glad that it's here like for promising young woman but it's just like that ending should immediately disqualify it um just it's I, I can see it maybe working well on the page and maybe that's just a direction thing. Maybe, maybe it's probably part of the direction, not the screenplay, but that ending is just so sort of ham fisted and kind of almost undoes like all of the goodwill that the movie built, has built up towards that point. But um, Alexander Metal being here, I also love, like I absolutely just love that film, you know, to death and you know, the the, the script is that I think is just, you know, how, how it slowly builds and I guess how that also that film is also in a way sort of a, a telling of the five stages of grief, basically, you know, at first he's in denial, then like, you know, he's, you know, it's, oh, I'm forgetting it now, but like, it's an, it's just a, such an incredible emotional journey that like, that it's just riveting on, on the page, like not only on the page, but then also once it gets to the screen, but I also agree with you on Minari, like, you know, as you said, it's so personal and it's, it's it's not it's great in that it's there's not really much of a narrative in minari but it's just sort of like a beautifully captured sort of slice of life sort of thing and i think like Mm. but the screenplay really really captures that i i find and i'm probably making absolutely no sense here because i'm not the oscars expert i'm sorry (laughs) um no i agree with i agree
1: with all you're saying i think that sound of metal breakdown you gave is quite good
0: okay well thank you um but in terms of what i think is going what th- should and will win here i'm i mean i'm on the of the thinking as well like there is just so much discussion around promising young woman that it's kind of hard to avoid and i think you know like it's very like to to like, a, a word that i don't really like using but it's very zeitgeisty and very of the time I don't. I don't know how we how it's going to be when we look back on it in a couple of years' time. But like, in but if the if this is what the Oscars kind of want to do, and I know the Oscars aren't like just like, you know, they don't. It's not like three people that just sort of decide this. You know, like there's thousands of members and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's weird when people talk about the Oscars like like that, but it's a trap that we really fall into a lot. But I'm gonna say should is the sound of metal or minari. I'm gonna break my rule and say either one of those. But yeah, promising young woman is winning here. Okay, but I am gonna go back and look at this, but have we actually made any differing? <laughs> I, I I'm just I'm just realizing now, have you made any differing predictions?
1: There were a few. I mean animated oh for predictions wise. I think yeah. um we had <laughs> we had a couple of different ones. We had a couple of different ones, but Okay. M- <laughs> because I think most a- of this.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say there's no point otherwise if we've ju- in, in like keeping score if we all just choose the exact same films.
1: I think when we get to actress, it's gonna be the real, the real uh, tiebreaker there. It'll be yeah, because the,
0: it's it's like the it's the wild west when it comes to the acting categories. I think, well, with, sure. the, with with the actresses, I believe, which is where we are now. We are at best supporting actress, which is just nobody has been able to predict this. Absolutely nobody. So for supporting actress, best supporting actress, we have Maria Bakalova Woo-hoo! for Borat's subsequent movie film. We have Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, who is also nominated for a Razzie for the exact same role. We also have <laughs> Alicia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried as... No, not as Mank, in Mank. And we also have uh, Yeon Yuh Jung from Minari, who... I believe is gaining a lot of steam right now and is probably going to win.
1: Yeah. But I mean, who we're going to line hell up again. Knows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're going to line up again here. Cause I'm going to predict her. I think she's really surging, but, and I love her performance. It's my, arguably my favorite in the category. I think for me, I keep going back and forth between her and Maria Bakalova, who's the one that I'm going to say should win. I love her performance. It's kinetic and it is uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, It's brave. Um, it's a it brave is.
0: goddamn performance.
1: It is. Um, and, and even everyone else in this category, uh, Glenn Close didn't really give the greatest performance, but she didn't have the best script either.
0: Well, funny you mentioned that. I was at a movie trivia night the other night and uh, one of the teams was like, um, Glenn Close deserves an Oscar, but not like this. That was their team <laughs> name.
1: No, I agree. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's bang on. Yeah. Um, yeah, Livy Coleman gave a good performance in the father. And I, I think Amanda Seifert is kind of the life in Mank. But for me, it's Yu Young Jun or Maria Bakalova uh, for the win. And I, I'm gonna go with uh Yu Young Jun for uh probably will win this thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's I mean it's kind of her first it's kind of the first exposure that she's had to i guess western audiences because you know she's she's worked in the you know, korean film and television pretty much like her entire life basically like she's, like five mm-hmm. decades worth of stuff so like she's a she's like acting royalty uh in korea and actually just last night i i was at um a local film festival shout out to hudson sawada and the fantastic film festival who you can go back and listen to uh when in the last episode where I had him on to talk about the program and I saw a film, a South Korean film there last night called beast clawing at straws, which was sort of like this, uh, like the Kashi Miike esque like Coen brothers sort of like uh noir mm. film. And she has a small role in that. And even in that, she is just, you know, just the commands, the screen every time she's on
1: it. Yeah. And, I mean, she's a veteran, she's a veteran. And it's yeah. cool to see her kind of be a front runner here uh, in her first American production.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just think about how good the speech is going to be if she wins, as well. Like that—that's—that's—that's—that's <laughs> that, that's, that, that's, that's something that you also have to consider as well with a lot of this sort of stuff. Not so much the technical categories, but certainly with the actors, it's the pageantry of it. Like, just what they sort of, how they sort of accept their awards. Like, it's something that they that they really look at, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I think so. And Olivia Coleman would give a good speech too, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah you young june I think is 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 the will win here
0: yeah I am going to say, oh my god in- in terms of like should and will, I don't even know in terms of these ones because uh oh, I don't know, but could they but could they do i don't I've got no idea, I don't even know why I even decided to do this podcast if I have no idea <laughs> what the goddamn hell I am talking about, and I am making no sense anymore, but um. I'm going to say, I think I might just go with you as well. I'm going to say maybe, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say should will uh, Yun Yuzhong for Minari. But, but also that is, that is taking away nothing from uh, the rest of the nominees, my sans Glen Close. But, um, but Maria <laughs> Bakalova is, you know you know, obviously fantastic. It's just, we can only choose one
1: though. Yep, exactly.
0: But moving on to make next support Best Supporting Actor, which is, I think, a lot more concrete and a lot more sort of, you know, decided well and truly before, you know, this award has even taken place, is, yeah, Best Supporting Actor. So we've got for some reason, Sasha Baron Cohen nominated for the wrong movie in trial of the Chicago seven. We have Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the black Messiah. We have Leslie Odom jr. In one night in Miami. We have Paul Racy in sound of metal. And weirdly, we also have the Keith Stanfield in Judas and the black Messiah, which is some major category fraud, but you know what? I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a, he, he's awesome. And I'm happy that he's Oscar nominated the Keith Stanfield now. right? Um, but there's not going to be any vote splitting. I think Danica Levy is going to win here, and for me, he's the best performance as well. Shout out to Paul Racy for getting in, and we spoke about that yeah. at the at the top of the show, right? I mean, would would you ever thought he'd get in another year? Probably not. It's such a good performance too well, there was, um
0: there was even doubt if he was even going to make it this year like he got a couple yeah of no, he got like one or two early on but then like was just absent from a lot of the other awards shows so it was almost kind of a surprise that he got nominated
1: yeah no it was it was something that i was kind of holding out for yeah. i didn't quite know he was kind of like five or six on my predictions didn't think he'd get in uh, but he did and I'm, I'm glad he did and you know funny enough he's probably running second or third uh out of the five so um great performance. And, uh, I, I I do love Daniel Kaluuya and Judas. I think he absolutely, it's, it's one of those performances that you're going to see on, on watch Mojo, like five years from now, best performances, you know, so I'm, I'm going to go with him should and will.
0: Yep. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely right with you there. Um, but I just want to quickly, yeah, as we said, we shout out to Paul Racy. It's incredible. He's got nominated. He's, I mean, you know, Riz Ahmed does bring a lot to that film. Like, he is the heart of the film. But I do think that Paul Racy is kind of the heart of that film yeah. in a lot of ways. But, yeah, like, Lakeith Stanfield as well, like, you know, there's got to be no vote splitting. I think it's all going to go to Kaluuya. But, like, I-, I saw Judas and the Black Messiah, I think, just a couple of days or maybe even the day before the um the Oscars announcement or the, the nominees got announced. And um, so it came out, like, a month later in Australia than it did in the US. So, like... There was no, there was really no sort of talk around Lakeith Stanfield. And then, you know, I watched it. I was like, well, Lakeith Stanfield's pretty goddamn great in this. Why is there no talk about yeah. him? And then the next day, he got nominated in Best Supporting Actor. But um, I just sort of quickly talk about Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, he's awful in Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, he just is. I'm sorry. Like, pick an accent, buddy. Um, and I know, you, I know you're English, but my God, it's, it's not, it's so, it's just so out of place in that movie
1: yeah um i don't quite know why it's here i guess the trial had such a huge ensemble that one one of them was bound to catch steam and weirdly he was the one to do it if if Um, there was anyone yeah it's it's odd
0: yeah if there was anyone that should have been nominated uh from trial of the chicago seven it it should have been mark rylance
1: yeah, that's fair. I think also a lot of people were liking the judge Frank Langella, but I think that's a little bit too much of a cliche. Yeah,
0: that, that's very. Uh, that's a very role to get nominated for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting, but uh, it is it ends up being Sasha Baron Cohen.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I'm I'm right with you in saying that uh, Daniel Kaluuya is a should and will. Like I think the 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 most the it's the one that you could almost put your house on. If you're a betting man, like it's the one the one almost cer- the one certainty of the night, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I think whether it's this or potentially a uh, closure for director or soul for score, it seems like those are the ones that are really locked in.
0: Yeah. So we move on to best lead actress. So in this, we have Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, we have Andra Day for the United States versus Billy Halliday. Holiday, sorry, United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, we have Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. We have Francis McDormand for Nomadland. I said Francis very weirdly just then. But then we also have Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Now, this, again, this is the absolute wild west because in terms of the lead-up sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, award shows, it has been pretty much an even split.
1: Yeah, for one of the first times in, I think, 13, 14 years since it was 2007, we've had a different winner at every single precursor leading up to the Oscars, which is just unheard of. And it makes it um, very, very hard to, uh, to, to tell who's going to win here.
0: Right. So correct me if I'm wrong here. So Andre Day won the globe, Viola Davis won SAG.
1: Yes. Yeah. She won the screen actors yeah. Guild. Yeah.
0: And Kerry Mulligan won, was it critics choice? And then right. McDormand won the BAFTA. Yeah okay um yeah. and so um, it's all uh, over the place right poor vanessa kirby is, it, no she's she, so vanessa kirby's gonna win the oscar then if it's gonna be an even split <laughs> kirby's locked kirby's locked in for the oscar
1: why not i mean make yeah. it go even crazier i would love to see yeah. her win i think she was great in pieces of a woman and uh i mean why not make it a different winner every show that'd be kind of fun
0: yeah and she's kind of uh, yeah i mean yeah she is i mean oh uh, I cannot speak for United States vs. Billy Holiday because I have not seen it, like it's literally only just out in Australian cinemas today, so I might even try to get around to that before I, before the, the ceremony, but it sounds like with both uh, Pieces of a Woman and United States vs. Billy Holiday is that those are both two absolutely fantastic performances in kind of mediocre films. Whereas the other, whereas the other ones, and maybe, maybe that will make it stand, stand out more, but like, you know, I guess the other performances, you know, all work more together as part of like a cohesive whole. Like, as I said, like with, but as I was talking about with Frances McDormand, I still think she's good in the movie, but it's just, you know, I just saw Frances McDormand and not her character, which is a weird thing to say. And yeah, it kind of makes sure. no sense, but like, you know, do you kind of get where I'm coming from there?
1: I do. I do. And, you know, yeah. I think she's won two Oscars before for acting and, to get to that number three is pretty difficult to do and I just don't know if this is the movie that does it for her. Um, It's such a tough category though. I think Andre Day doesn't, I I don't think Vanessa Kirby really has too much of a shot here. I think Andre Day's got kind of a really far outside shot but that leaves a really wide open three-way race between McDormand, Mulligan and Davis in my opinion which is really exciting. Like this is the one that I'm going to be I'm going to be waiting for whenever they, whenever they announce it. Cause it's yeah. really, uh, really interesting that it's, it's, it's this all over the place. Um, Viola Davis, I think if she's able to win and then Ma Rainey wins, it's two tech categories as well as Chadwick. That's four, not a uh, four victories for this movie. And I just don't know if the movie can get there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for me. I, I like a lot of these performances. I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of them. Um, I, I I like uh, Carrie Mulligan, a promising young woman. I think she's really uh, she she really brings something to that role there. But for me, I'm a I'm a should and will Viola Davis person personally. Um, not by a long shot though. Like it's it's completely me. Kind of just, I mean, with the with the will win, that's kind of just a complete coin toss. But the should win, I'm like a four way tie between who should win, and I just kind of go Viola Davis because she kind of made me the most giddy watching that movie. She's pretty funny in it.
0: Yeah, she she brings an incredible amount of presence to that film and you know it's 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 almost like a tennis match between uh, her and Bozeman as to who can you know kind of top each other with you know just how amazing they are in that film. But for right. me oh, I don't know. Um yeah, this is is this is probably the toughest category out of all of them. Um it would help had I had I seen all five of them and had not seen and you know it would be easier if I had I seen all five of them, but at this stage in time I have not. Um, the one I think that maybe stands out to me most, I think it might be Mulligan. I don't know. I think it. I think all the talk. I, I think it's still all the talk about promising young woman, all of that sort of discussion. And Mulligan is certainly by far and away the best part of that film. And I is this her first Oscar nomination as well? Because there was a few people that were not uh, happy that she missed out. Um, I believe for wildlife, and I think there was another film that she missed out on. Oh, did she get? Uh, I was going to say, I was about to say, is that Blue Valentine? But that might be Michelle Williams, and I might be mixing. I get Michelle Williams and Carrie Mulligan mixed up. Yeah, yeah. But she yeah. is a
1: two-time. She is a two-time Oscar nominee for uh, the film *An Education*. Oh, that's right. Of
0: course, of course. Yeah, yeah. That was, but it's been a while,
1: right? That's that's yeah. over a decade.
0: And she's been, you know, she's had a decades worth of pretty great performances up until then. So it'll be good to see her get a win here. And like, if that's, yeah. But in terms of, you know, what I'm gonna say, should and will is Carrie Mulligan. Just to to throw things around a little bit, because you know, I mean, I've been kind of following your lead for most of this. But you know what, I, I, th- I I'm I think that Carrie Mulligan's a pretty good shot at winning this.
1: No, I, I I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, not gonna kind of wrestle with you on that one. That's certainly, uh, certainly a possibility. And even Francis Ford could sneak in here with just the amount of love Nomadland's been getting. But yep. it's it's a it's a completely wide open race, and uh, that's this is the category I'm I'm most excited for.
0: Yeah, uh, I I'm fascinated to see how it's going to play out. But moving on to best actor, so and I mean all the acting like there's not too many head scratches in the acting categories this year, which you know I thought you know given the the sort of expectations I thought we had going into this year's sort of, you know, nominees would probably be, you know, I think that was kind of our biggest fear is like who the hell is going to get nominated, but it's quite a, quite a strong field. And I, and I think, I think that's reflected in best actor. So we've got Riz Ahmed in sound of metal. We have the late, great Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's black bottom. We have Anthony Hopkins in the father. We have Gary Oldman in Mank and we have Steven Young in Minari.
1: I mean, what a good list, right? That's a, that's, that's a really good, such
0: a good list. And I mean, it's just like, I mean, Gary Oldman, I mean, he's number five in in here, but although he is, I think in any, again, but like, it's weird that you say this in any other year, he would probably be a front runner, but we've just basically talked about how we thought that there'd be a weaker competition, but it's turned (laughs) out to be a lot like better than most than previous years, which I find really fascinating. And it maybe has shown that like people have actually and the Academy's particular have actually sought out some pretty damn good movies this year.
1: Yeah, they did a really good job in my opinion. And it is, it is certainly reflected here. Like there's there some performances here that I'm just so happy that are like that are on there. Um, usually my favorite lead actor performance completely misses out. I um, think to Adam Sandler last year, but Anthony Hopkins is my favorite of the five. He's my number one, my personal number one. I think Riz Ahmed's a really good number two. And I like Chadwick Boseman's performance a lot. I think it's probably his career best. Um, but my favorite was Anthony Hopkins. It's the one performance this year that really brought me to tears out of anything I really watched. So I got to throw him up there. And he's just, he, he, he's masterful in it. Um, you know, I even uh, think um, to an extent, Stephen Young's kind of more reserved, calm performance is quite good mm-hmm. in Minari as well yeah um but yeah so so my 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 should is Anthony Hopkins but at the same time I'm not upset if Chad Boston wins I mean he is he's completely deserving and I I think you got to honor his legacy in some way and it to go out on your best performance why not so he's my will win so Chadwick is my will win despite it getting it's, it's getting kind of close here like like Anthony Isn't Hopkins really? seems to be having a little bit of a surge yeah so I mean he pulled off a surprise bath to win so that kind of puts him back in the race but would that be the um, BAFTAs
0: just wanting to reward a British person in the, in the category? I think, I think that's part
1: of it. Yeah, so I mean, obviously Chadwick had been doing quite well, winning pretty much everywhere. But Anthony Hopkins winning the uh, BAFTA there, as you said, it might be a little bit of that uh, hometown favorite. But it certainly has changed a little bit of the the the, per, the perceptive of the race a bit. But I, I do still stick with Chadwick, who I think will win.
0: I mean, his performance is fantastic. And, you know, just that ending, like how he talks about like the leaves and the branches and the wind. Ugh, like tearing up just thinking about it. But uh, yeah, but Riz Ahmed is certainly my favorite of the bunch. And I mean, all of these, all of these performances are great. Like Gary Oldman, probably not quite on the level of these guys. And maybe that's just because, you know he's won fairly recently, and you know a, a couple of other like you know the likes of Delroy Lindo and like Mads Mikkelsen missed out in this category as well, which I think a lot of people aren't too aren't too jazzed about. But like Riz Ahmed, like Chadwick Boseman, you know, incredibly commanding screen presence in Marenghi's Black Bottom, and just is absolutely awesome. But Riz Ahmed for me is the the top. Top Gun here. He is just incredible. Like, not only did he have to, like, learn drums and American Sign Language and, like, you know, just his commitment to the role is just so, so incredible. And, you know, how much he is able to... Like, similarly to what Sally Hawkins did a few years ago for Shape of Water, like, what they can do without not really saying a whole lot. Like, that entire, like, stretch where he's in the deaf community and, like, you know, he's learning how to become deaf and, you know, live like a deaf person. And just, like, sort of that... And also just like that inner conflict that he has within himself. And as I said earlier, like he's got basically going through the five stages of grief, but the thing that he's grieving is, you know, his, his, his hearing. It's just, it's, there's so many layers to it. And I just find it such an incredible performance. I think he should win, and that's not nothing to say against Chadwick Boseman. As I said, he's incredible in Ma Rainey, but Chadwick Boseman is well-deservedly going to win here because R- Riz Ahmed, you know, Hopkins has won before, Oldman has won before. You know, Ahmed and Yoon will almost certainly be back here again. They're, they're incredible actors. They're, they're too good at actors for them not to, you know, show up back again in this category somewhere down the line. So, yeah, very well-deserved sh- will for Chadwick Boseman. But I'm going to say... Ahmed is my favourite, so I'm gonna say him as should.
1: Yeah, I mean that's uh I think that's the safe bet, and it's a bet that is that would be a great capper to uh to him. I mean it's 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 so sad uh, what happened and um I think it it'd be a great way to honor his legacy.
0: Yeah, and an amazing but far, far too short career for the great Chadwick Boseman. and yeah, he's he we're already missing him and you know, like for him to be in yeah, as, as you were saying, Brennan, for him to be awarded for you know his final performance and also his best is very well deserving and we're now in the last two categories so we've got director and picture to go now so the nominees for best director i do not know them off the top of my head unfortunately but i've got the list here so we've got thomas vinterberg for another round we have david fincher for mank we have lee isaac chung for minari we have chloe jow for nomadland and we have emerald fennel for promising young woman and you know two women nominated in the, in this category, you know, at the same time for the first time ever. And they're just the sixth and seventh female filmmakers to ever be nominated in this category. You know, that is truly something like, I thought maybe, you know, Parasite last, like Parasite sweep last year, just like completely opened the doors for all of this. And it's great to see.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it was such a, such a big year last year. Um, Great to see both, um, Emerald Fennell and Chloe Zhao here. Um, I, I was nervous whenever, I mean, seeing Thomas Winterberg was awesome, but I was nervous that they were going to potentially cut out uh, Emerald Fennell, but it ended up being Aaron Sorkin that got cut out. So um, I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. I'll take that. Um, I think this is a good five. I think it's a very impressive five. And maybe you differ with me on uh, what you think for who should win here, but I am uh, believe that Chloe Zhao should win. And I think it's, it's a surefire lock that she will win.
0: Yeah, I mean in terms of what you know, she's an incredible filmmaker, and though that I think like, you know, I haven't seen as I said, I haven't seen songs my brother taught me, and but I do think The Rider is just absolutely incredible. Like I think I said before we started recording, like I think The Rider is genuinely one of the best American independent films of the last five years. Possibly even the decade, I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, the the rider is phenomenal. For me, Nomad Land did not reach that heights, but it's still definitely has that sort of humanist touch and like you know this very you know this this I mean it's it's a portrait of like this sort of community from you know Chloe Zhao who's well and truly an outsider to these sorts of communities as well you know so like you know a a Chinese woman that's you know now living in America that's you know that's sort of had this like with all of her films has had this fascination with like these like with this sort of area of America and the people that inhabit it And, you know, although, yeah, Nomadland doesn't quite do it for me, like, I'm more than happy for her to win a Best Director and, you know, to become only the second woman behind Catherine Bigelow to win this award is going to be, you know, pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I know, certainly. It will be certainly historic. And she has just went on one of the biggest sweeps, like, in the history of awards. Like, she has just won everything, everywhere. And it's pretty impressive to see the terror that she's gone on so for me this might be the most locked category of the night believe it or not maybe up there with soul for animated or as we said daniel kaluuya for supporting actor but um she she will win here and i do think she should um but yeah such a triumphant year for her
0: yeah i also just want to and i think i can't remember if it was you or if it was if it was you guys on the movie babble podcast or if it was another podcast i listened to but just like the whole story around um uh, lee isaac chung and minari and like getting that made like he was Pretty much, like about like Isaac was pretty much done with filmmaking. Like he was like, "This is probably going to be my last film." Like I'm pretty much over it. And then for Minari to have gotten to be as good as it is and to get as much as attention as it is, it's like, no, we want more, dude. Keep making movies; they're great.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, what like how impressive is that story? Right, that is just so cool that 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 happened and the way that it happened. I mean, a guy who who's really down. And, and is really leaving the, leaving the business, just kind of has a movie that blows up like this. And it's so good, too. Um, he, he, for me, is my second favorite uh, director, director of performance of The Five. Um, but yeah, certainly. It's just such a, such a cool story.
0: Yeah, with a lot of these films, you can definitely tell that they put a lot of, like, I think almost all of them, maybe not so much Promising Young Woman, but, like, you know, there's certainly a sense of, there is certainly, like, a bit of vigour in the direction of that film, but, like, all of the other ones, particularly, are ones that are made with so much, I guess, love and care for the sort of subject matter, and even, like, uh, Thomas Vinterberg, who I believe, like, wrote this, I believe, after his daughter died in a car crash, I believe, and, like, when he was in a pretty, pretty bad state mentally, so... Yeah, um,
1: yeah, that's something I didn't know. That's an interesting layer to that uh, that that job as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like this lineup this year. I'm I'm really impressed with it. Similar to Best Actor, I think we really got the best of the crop this year.
0: Yeah, David Fin. Unfortunately, David Fincher won't win. I mean, he's 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 always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But he'll get there one day. He he will he will get his much deserved um Best Director winner one day. But yeah, um, in terms of should and will, um, again, this is not to say that Chloe Zhao does not deserve to win it. Um, I personally like, I'd say, I'm going to say should is Lee Isaac Chung, but I'm going to say will is Chloe Zhao.
1: Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair assessment. I, I'm, I'm close with you there. Obviously the will is the same and Lee Isaac Chung is my second favorite of the five, but uh, I'm sticking with the Chloe for both.
0: Yeah, no, I'm completely understandable. You know, she's just been on an absolute rampage this awards season in terms of, you know, in terms of the wins. And, you know, it's it'll be, be historic. H- it will be historic. Like, you know, and, you know, she's certainly one that deserves it. not, I wish it was for a film that. I wish it wasn't for Nomad Land, but I'll be happy she's going to get uh, recognized regardless. But now we're on to our final. Final category, the big one, it's Best Picture. Now, I am going to, like, I'm not going to go off the list that we've got here, but I'm going to put these films in the order of um, how I would rank these films, okay? So, of the eight nominees, and, okay, well, quick question before we begin here. If we, because is it going back to 10 next year? Have they confirmed that?
1: Yeah, so it's going back to 10 next year, and it should stick there permanently.
0: Yeah. So what, if you were to nominate two other films into the best picture category this year, what would you include? Um, and they don't have to be films that have been nominated in other categories. This is just, if you were to add another two films, what would you pick?
1: Yeah. Well, my, my favorite movie last year was still the five bloods. That's the one I love. So I would put that one in. And, uh, for me, a big soul guy, I got to go soul. So that would round up my 10.
0: Interesting. Um, God, I'd have to think about that. Like, I'm impressed that you did that so quickly. Um, whew, uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> I'm the host of this show. I can do what I want. I can, <laughs> <laughs> you make I can say I'll come back to it later. But yeah, so Best Picture nominees in terms... In order of how I would rank these from best to, you know, most favourite to least favourite, the nominees are Sound of Metal, um, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah minari nomadland promising young woman mank and then at the at the bottom in funnily enough in eighth place is the trial of the chicago seven so h- how would you rank the best picture nominees before we get?
1: Into um, honestly this is hard i want to watch promising young woman again because i've only seen it once
0: oh yeah by the way have um, you, you've seen all eight nominees right i
1: have, yeah, yeah, we, I have.
0: I probably, we probably should have said that at the, be- the very beginning of the show
1: I have. It's tough for me. For me, trials number eight, um, and then it's probably looking something like. It's really difficult uh, down at that seven slot. But I think I gotta watch it again. But I will put promising young woman at seven. I still like it. Uh, I put Judas at six. Mank at five. I'll probably throw in. Um, kind of getting them all mixed around now. I I can go now one to four. I I I I'm a bigger fan of Nomad led than you. So I'm I put that at number one. Um, personally, uh, I got Minari up there as well at probably two, honestly, this gets tough when you, when you start thinking at the top there. Um, yeah, so I'll go, uh, Minari two, Sound of Metal three. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's a, that's a tough little, tough, tough, tough spot there. Uh, it's always a challenge, but yeah, that that's pretty much how mine uh, rounds out there.
0: Yeah. So well, in I will just say in terms of like how I've sort of ranked mine, and I, I guess like so from one to four, which is the first four that I mentioned. So both sound, so sound of metal, um, the father, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Minari. I'd I'd be thrilled if any of those four took it out. Then you have the next three, which is Nomadland, Mank, or Promising Young Woman. Either of those take that out, I'd be like, okay, sure, that's that's fine. I, I'm 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 happy slash sort of you know that's fine. I'm I'm not. I'm not too passionate about those films, but, like, yeah, good for them. They won Best Picture. But then, like, <laughs> then then you have Trial of the Chicago 7, and if that wins Best Picture, I'll be like, eh, whatever. No, no, I won't be like, yeah, whatever. I'll just... It'll just be a groan of just...
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I think, I think at this point, I mean, Trial looked good early. I think before the awards actually started happening, Trial looked good. Then the awards started happening, and it doesn't look good. So... <laughs> that's kind of the narrative with that one i think there's a lot of people who love minari love promising young woman but there really is no definitive second so i mean nomadland's definitely going to win this thing uh there's there's got to be something behind there that could maybe upset it but i just can't like there isn't a moonlight there isn't a parasite right there's nothing like that 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 might be
0: do you think it could possibly be minari because like everyone seems to think well from what i've been hearing anyway that it's like Promising Young Woman and Minari is probably the neck and neck for the that number two slot, or probably, you know, constantly shifting twos and threes, those two.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm of the belief that it is Minari at number two. A lot of people say Promising Young Woman, a lot of people even say Trial, but I'm of the belief that Minari is number two. I think the they have a big enough kind of fan base that it, it kind of slots in there.
0: Yeah, so, oof, but in terms of predictions, yeah, i think I don't think this is quite as locked as, you know, as we've said, either best director or best actor or animated, you know, all those other categories. But like, it seems pretty, it it seems pretty certain that it's going to be Nomadland. So I'm going to go Nomadland will, and just out of my love of Sound of Metal, I'm going to say that should, because I had that. Not only was it it my favourite of the best best picture noms, it is my favourite film of last year, period. That film just blew me away. Um, I believe it was, I think it was one of the only, I think it is the only five star I gave last year. So yeah, make of that what you will.
1: It's tough. I love, I love so many of these, but I, I I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly content with Nomadland taking it home. So I'll go Land should and will. Um, even though i I mean, I, I'd love Minari to win. I'd love Sound of Metal to win. Oh, I'd even love The Father to win. That's the one that I, yeah, <laughs> that slipped my mind. Uh, that, that, that's probably number three for me actually behind Minari bump Sound of Metal down to four. Um, it's, it's a tough call, but uh, for me, I'm happy with Santa Metal. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the tear that it's gone on, and I'm I'm down to uh, give it the trophy, and I think it will get that trophy.
0: Yeah, like, even if Mank wins Best Picture, I'll be like, oh, cool. I won't, yeah, I won't, I mean, be, I won't be up... Uh, the only one I will be bothered by if it wins Best Picture is Trial of the Chicago 7. Like, any of the other nominees, I'm happy to be... I'm, I'm either thrilled to, you know, content with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know... Um, funny enough like that's kind of the narrative that's kind of the the, the what we've been talking about how yeah it, it was a bad year overall and and movies really took a hit but we have a great crop of films here and it's a really good best picture lineup.
0: up totally agree but we will find out who takes out the gold uh this sunday or depending on where you were, where you are in the world in a few days time at the end of this week or the beginning of next week again depending on where you are um and it should be an interesting night um or after again afternoon, I am prolonging this way longer than it needs to be. I think just before we wrap up, is there any other big noticeable snubs in any of the other categories, uh, according to you, that have missed out in any of these categories?
1: Um, honestly, to be honest, uh, uh, as I said, I love the Five Bloods, so I'd like to see that in a few more areas. Yeah. I think we we talked about Tenet a couple times, Birds of Prey a couple times um i'm trying to think of some films that kind of went under the radar for me i think one of them that a lot of people loved was never rarely sometimes always certainly yeah. um
0: and same with the assistant as well like again they're, they're much smaller films that probably quite didn't quite have the backing as a lot of these other ones like they didn't have like it's like some of these are smaller films as well but they didn't have like like minari didn't have like, like they didn't have an a24 or like an amazon behind them to just really give them that push
1: yeah no certainly um I, I agree with that there, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there were so many great movies this year, but I, I'm I'm mostly happy with with what we got. I'm, I'm I think it was a a really good Oscar season, a really good slate of nominees, and a and a pretty good uh, best picture list.
0: Yeah, one thing I've one one I forgot to mention when we talked about, and I think Nick has talked about it a little bit on your podcast as well, but um, welcome to Chechnya. Not making it in documentary was a bit of a was quite a shock to me. Like I saw that film recently and was again that that that's a really captivating documentary about like you know basically the you know the the exiles or like you know the protection of uh you know uh gay people in chechnya and the things that they have to go through and also like the film also got shortlisted in the visual effects category because yeah the film utilizes like i guess sort of like the for lack of a better term like you know what, what's commonly known as deep fake technology to try to you know to change their appearance like when they when they appear on camera and it's it's so incredibly fascinating and like again like like it's a really really brave film too so yeah i it was kind of disappointing to not see that there especially when like a lot of other documentaries that are very hard hitting made it this year and then that octopus movie also did <laughs> <laughs> um- I think- I'm Welcome being che- so mean towards it and I haven't even seen it. So <laughs> apologies to my octopus teacher, but no.
1: Um, Welcome to Chesney is one that I thought would certainly get into either visual effects or documentary just because it got into both. It seemed like it had some strength there, but it couldn't quite get in to either. Um, but yeah, that big shout out to that movie. Really cool technology, really cool premise, and just such a brave, uh, brave documentary.
0: Uh, any others, and and I mentioned I mentioned I thought that another round probably should have made it for screenplay, but like I'm I'm glad that Uh Vinterberg got director as sort of a you know sort of mm-hmm. a it makes up for that I guess.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. Um, yeah, you know what's another movie that not really an Oscars movie at all, but I got to give it a quick shout out before we go is uh, the forty year old version. I absolutely dug that movie.
0: Still have not seen that, and I really really want to.
1: Quite good. It is quite good.
0: Yeah, did that did that do well at like critics choice did that did well at like critics choice and like Indie um, Spirits you know, and things it, like that too, didn't
1: it? Yeah, I think it landed, I think it made some noise at some critics' circuits. And yeah. even the, Bafta the Bafta too, one, yeah. Yeah, I got yeah. the the best actress nomination there. So I mean it was it was quite good and I would recommend it certainly. Um it's got a little bit of a, a rap uh kind of narrative to it too, so I would have rooted for it for one of the best songs. They have some kind of cool songs in the movie. Yeah, but, I uh, think
0: it did get shortlisted in the best original song categories, I believe, too. At least one of them did, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, that's one that I want to give a quick, quick shout out to.
0: I definitely have to check that out. I mean, there's so many that I definitely needed to catch up on that I absolutely just did not get around to. But that's why I was so thankful to have you here today, Brennan. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoy the Oscars. Uh, and I hope I, if I can get more predictions right than you, I'll be a happy man. But I don't think that's going to happen. But where can they find you on, int- on the internet, on podcasts, on r- film writings? Where can they find you all across the world wide web?
1: Certainly no. This is uh, this has been a great show. Firstly, thank you so much, Sean, for uh, having me on. Um, truly, an international podcast here, Australia, Canada, uh, yeah. uniting to chat some Oscars.
0: We're, we're um, a rain- we're a rainbow coalition over at Movie Bubble.
1: Exactly. Um. So yeah, uh, where you can find me is pretty much week in and week out at the Movie Bubble podcast. You can check it out. I think Spotify, Apple Music, and even just through. YouTube or the movie Babel uh, site itself also my Twitter is Brennan for films at Brennan for films um, fun stuff on there but yeah I got my letterbox as well same name uh, that's where you can find me uh, Sean it was it was just a pleasure to uh, come on here and talk about my my favorite thing
0: Yep, yeah, and again, thank you very much for coming on on very short notice as well. I only gave you a couple of days grace, and you came very, very well prepared. But if if people also want to hear more about Brennan in terms of just like the whole big lead up to the awards, I recommend on the Movie Babble podcast. Uh, Brennan has a has kind of a sideshow on there in the lead up to the Oscars called appropriately "Road to the Oscars," where he basically him and our and our big boss Nick basically. Just cover each of the awards shows and like all of the narrow, like all of the nominations announcements and all the news in the lead up to the Oscars and I'm a very avid listener of that and a lot of my uh, insider baseball knowledge has from today has sort of come from that so it was it was almost you know a no brainer to get Brendan on the show.
1: No, thank you so much. That that, that means a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a great show. I think we've we've done six episodes to this point. We started in February and we kind of do them every couple of weeks whenever some big stuff comes up. Look out this week also, um, for or next week, sorry, for our Oscars uh, reaction episode, so that'll be fun. Uh, But yeah, so that's the 2021 Road to the Oscars with Movie Babble, that's been a great time, certainly. Uh, Thanks for the plug there, and uh, just thanks again for having me on.
0: No worries, always a pleasure. And well, it's my turn for the plugs now. Um, I am also doing good, uh, okay, good is a relative term, uh, but I am also doing stuff on Movie Babble, uh, providing some great content for you all on Movie Babble. Um, In terms of upcoming stuff, I am currently in the works. I'm about to submit a review of the new Mortal Kombat film, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And also a 20th as listeners of as avid listeners of the podcast will know, um, I am doing a twentieth anniversary piece on uh, Tom Green's seminal masterwork of com- of anti comedy that is Freddie Got Fingered, which yeah, <laughs> I'm already at a thousand words and I haven't even got into it yet, so it's gonna be a long one. So keep an eye out for that. I have missed the actual anniversary, which was yesterday, but I'm hoping to. You know actually i'm hoping to still get it out within the next couple of days so look out for that over at moviebevel.com you can also you know if you enjoyed the podcast as well make sure you go subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts just we're pretty much everywhere we're on apple podcasts we're on spotify we're on soundcloud Pretty much wherever you get your podcast, just search for Another Bloody Movie Podcast and hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at AB Movie Podcast. We're also on Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. And we're also on Facebook at Another Bloody Movie Podcast. And you can also follow me both on Instagram and Twitter, both at SeanHub underscore. A pun that only works if you have an Australian or a British accent. <laughs> um yes yeah, so that is s-e-a-n-h-u-b underscore and i am also on letterboxd which is letterbox.com forward slash Sean Coates. thank you again for brennan dubay for joining me on this great episode that i am going to have to that we had some technical difficulties but we got through it all right and just so thankful that you came on brennan thank you so much
1: certainly thank you thank you again
0: and thank you all for listening enjoy the happy oscars Hope you get some predictions right. If you're in an Oscar pool, but make sure if you if you're gonna have a punt, please gamble responsibly. And <laughs> uh, until next time, uh thanks for listening and but until next time, we will see you later. Goodbye.